Hello, we are in boss mode. My name is Fergus Murch. My name is Azeem Hardy. And we're going to talk about all the usual stuff that we love and that you love. Starting, given that we're recording this at an appropriate time, I've been playing No Man's Sky, but you haven't. No, I haven't. I've kind of... I I wanted it. Uh, I pre-ordered it. I didn't get it. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep hands off this until maybe some of the hype or the drama has down, died down. Uh, but I knew that you would get it. Yeah. So um, I I came prepared with loads of questions. What questions have you got, Zine? <laughs> what the hell is it? <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a uh, an exploration game. It is it is exactly what Sean Murray said it would be. But. Sean Murray said like lots of things, and like it's unc- it, what maybe if it was in a document and I read what Sean Murray said, I would be like, okay, I think I know what this game is. But my problem with it is that that's not how games are generally, you know, marketed and stuff. Right. And I feel like a lot of people feel then they've been misled because of that. Because the way it's not been marketed like a traditional game or anything like that. So, um, and, and I'm obviously not in that camp because I haven't played it. Right. But I kind of understand where people are coming from. Uh, what do you say to that? Huh? I, think, I think that it's... I don't think Sean Murray knew what the game was until a couple of months before it was released. That's, that's the honest truth. I think they had a whole swathe of stuff that they wanted to make the game. But they did start with two key principles, two key ideas for the game. One, the seamlessness of being able to run as a character around a planet, jump in a spaceship, take off on that spaceship, be able to fly around the planet, be able to fly off planet into a solar system, and then to enter a warp drive where you warp to a different system. And, and to do it all with no loading right. screens. Right. No waiting. Um, there is waiting, but only because it's, things are a distance away and you have to yeah. get there. But they're provided boosts and, and, and warp drive. Things, things that will speed up that process a little bit. But you're, not, you're never waiting. The, the screen never goes still. The screen never goes black and says loading. Do you know what I mean? It's... Okay. Um, you don't have to wait for a door to open or or a thing to power up. You just you just go. So you can you can go from from finding a flower that gives you some zinc that powers up your shield on a planet to selling your excess zinc to some random alien whose language you've started to learn um, on so a space was, station. So actually, one of the things that I didn't know, um, and to be honest, I haven't watched every single video or read every single article, but I didn't know there was NPCs in the game. Until I just said just now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are. Okay. They, they... The amount of aliens you meet is, is, a, is, a, is a trophy tree. Yeah. And... Like, I knew that when you land on a planet, there's, like, aliens there, and, you know, some of them look really weird. But they're wildlife. Yeah. They're, they're, wild. they're more like flora and yeah. fauna. Um, and again, there is a massive money... Well, in-game money bonus... If you discover like all the key uh, points of the kind of 
the biology of the, of the particular planet you're on. Um, uh, but the NPCs... Do you know what? They're not like NPCs in other games, insofar as A, they'll only appear once. Right. Like, if you hang around the same system, and there is enough to do on, like, one planet or one system, certainly for days and days of gameplay... But otherwise, if you're doing the real kind of exploring thing and moving from location to location and finding out the, the stories of the alien races that inhabited this galaxy you're, you're in, um, you're never going to see a character more than once. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Do so, they have enough personality to um, kind of make that an issue? They've, they've, used an a very, they've used a very um, uh, solid set of sci-fi tropes. Um, there are three main alien races, the Gex, the Viking, and the Corvax. The Corvax, did you read Saga, the comic book Saga? Uh, yeah, I'm a couple of um, uh, issues behind, volumes behind. Okay. But... So, so, so the Corvax look like the royal family in that. Okay. They cool. have computer screens for faces, basically. Right. Um, and are very, they're all about logic and research. Yeah. And scientific endeavour. The Viking are the warrior race, so they are basically the Vikings. the Klingons, the, right? The Vikings. Oh, I can't believe I didn't spot that. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. And the Gex are little guys who are into kind of technical modifications and things like that. Okay. And naturally, so 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 you'll lean towards your interactions with each of these different races does lean towards certain fields of exploration, obviously technological. Weaponry and and and, yeah. and and scientific research. There's no other word for it, really. Um, within those races, you do get personality types, and so far as things they do in the story, kind of make you think they've got a personality. <laughs> as okay. in, as in, you'll come across a geck who is who has abandoned its post, and you have to choose whether or not to report him to the geck high council or. or, 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 or collaborate with him right and see if he'll give you or bribe him right um, and so the characteristics the personalities of the different aliens do give you choices in the game and they give you choices about how you interact with their species okay so is there is there um, what, what's the established law like you just appear in a galaxy are you just like born there or do you have do you start off as someone who has these existing relationships with the, like, the, the Get High Council, for example? The answer to that question is the point of the game. Okay. You, you enter... Uh, as far as I can see, the law is... Yeah. Well I'll, well, I'll tell you what happens in the first ten minutes of the game. Okay. Screen fades from black. You find yourself on a randomly assigned planet next to a broken spaceship. Okay. Presumably having just crashed there. Presumably just having warped there from somewhere. We don't know where. Um, you have to repair your ship to get it up to speed to be to be able to, to. Well, first of all, you have to repair your own mining tool. Yeah. Once you've done that, that allows you to mine the minerals that will allow you to repair your ship. Yeah. There's a couple of different things you have to repair on your ship, and once you can take, once you have enough, once you can fuel up your launch thruster, you can take off in your spaceship. But then you have to repair your warp drive. So it introduces you to the kind of the scale and the scalability of your experience 
step by step quite nicely. However, there's no law that you can discern whatsoever. As you explore the galaxy, you find outposts and monoliths and historical sites and ruins that tell you a story of the history of the galaxy. You kind of start, I would say, that if there is a, a subtle story to it, it is working out what happened between these three species that have been there for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. They do have quite a rich history that's told to you in tiny little fragments. And it's, 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 it's really cool for that. Did you ever read anything called the, the Fraction Paradox? Fraction no. Paradox? Um, it reminds me of that for some reason. Just really deep, rich history, but fed to you just one drip at a time. Um, however, I think you... Just before we started recording this podcast... I was showing you a little bit of the game. Yeah. And I think you saw the answer to the question you just asked me, which is, what's the law as to why are you waking up in a, on a random... Like, why why are you there? Mm. And this is a massive spoiler. So so if you if you don't want to hear spoilers, listener, dear listener, please press plus 15, plus 15, and you should land on the spoiler-free bit of the, the podcast again. But... Um, uh, there are those at, there's these places called atlas interfaces just floating around the place and if you right. go to 10 of them you collect 10 atlas stones and when you go to the 11th atlas interface you it says you birth a new star and when we did that just now there was a bit of text that said you've woken up a traveller on a planet in that new star's system that you've just created oh yeah of course right so the, right. The, I think the idea is that, that it's a cyclical thing where a, a player generates a new player by doing that and generates new planets and whatever. I'll tell you something. So, so back to spoiler freeness, uh, spoiler freedom. Let's call it. Um, <laughs> uh, your starting planet can really affect like how you play the game. Because I didn't know it was a randomly assigned planet, or rather, I knew I'd been on a random planet, but I didn't know that the environment and the wildlife on that starting planet would be randomised. Okay. So when I started the game, I came to life on a planet that was highly toxic and highly radioactive. Yeah. And I couldn't be outside for longer than about 30 seconds at a time. So I had to run into these kind of underground caves. And again, because it's all procedurally generated, those caves can go anywhere and don't necessarily have an exit. So you right. get deeply, deeply lost. So my, my, the first kind of couple of hours of playing the game was like, I can't believe how t- difficult this game is. It's crazy. And then I took a disc, the disc to a, a, a friend's house Showed him the game. He, he, he bought it after playing it for like five minutes. Went, yeah, yeah, I want, I want to know this game. Because his starting planet was a flipping lush, verdant forest with sunshine. And it wasn't even <laughs> raining on his planet. And it was like he might as well have had like aliens come up to him and hand him the stuff he needed to repair his ship. It was so easy. And it's like, yeah, this is a nice game. It's, it's um, You know how there are... I, I hesitate to use the phrase stoner film right but when someone describes something as a stoner film that tends to mean that um if 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 you're if 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 you're inclined to get a bit stoned and watch the film you would enjoy it more than you would sober because it has a certain i don't know languid pace i mean quite often when you say stoner films these days it kind of means low production value or just not very funny yeah. Um, which means you have to you have to be high to enjoy the jokes in it, which, is, which means it's not very good. Yeah. Um, however, <laughs> I've sausage been, party. <laughs> oh, really? Have you seen that? I, I've seen a bit of it. I couldn't finish watching it. I was really. Yeah, I was just like 
I'm, I'm not watching this. I'm sorry to sidetrack. No, bit, no, that's fine. I did watch the the last one he did, uh, the the last stoner film he did. Uh, the, this is the end. This is the end. I didn't mind that as much. I quite liked it. I quite I liked it. Mind that. Brilliant, brilliant. So moments, to be honest, I went into Sausage Party expecting a bit. You know, mm. I thought I thought it'd be not amazing, but mm. I was I was just I was immediately kind of I was turned off basically. Okay. Okay. Turned off, basically. I don't I don't really see how you can have more than one joke in that film the joke that food is sentient and therefore it's horrifying that food gets eaten yeah that's a great gag but the trailer is enough for me that, yeah. that kind of two minutes two minutes of that gag is fine I get it I, I can't I mean I, that said I really want to see you I'll, I will see the whole film because I'm a fan of mm. that crowd um, sorry to interrupt I would say I would say it, feel, it feels like No Man's Sky is a, is a stoner game it feels like if you were just completely relaxed and genuinely had nothing to do for hours and hours and hours, it would be it would be a beautiful experience just to wander around a planet. However, the way I play games, I do need something to happen, and so I choose to play No Man's Sky like that. I choose to play it so that I I, I kind of gather resources as quickly as possible on a planet, go to a couple of locations on a the planet. There are hundreds of locations on every planet. Right. Ruins, outposts, shelters. Um, there's stuff to do. The worry is that it might get repetitive, but there's, I think, just enough history to find out, just enough kind of backstory to put together. Um, and there's a couple of mysteries. I mentioned to you before we started recording, there's this weird yeah. kind of disease thing that's kind of spreading around the galaxy. And I, I wonder if, with enough exploration that will tie into kind of the main history of the three alien species and how they interact, all that stuff. Um, you may have noticed I haven't said whether or not I like the game. I, I really do. I really do. I come mm. down on the side of Sean Murray didn't lie because the key tenets of the game, that seamlessness I talked about earlier on and the uh, procedurally generated nature of every planet, meaning that any planet you land on is going to be completely new and unique to you. Yeah. Obviously, that's an exaggeration. And there's a cracked video called Why No Man's Sky Takes the Fun Out of Gaming. Um, and in it, one of the guys, there's two presenters. One of the presenters says, oh, there's, so there's 19 quintillion planets in this game, apparently. And the other presenter goes, no, there's not. There's five. There's the derelict wasteland, the one with loads of rain, the lush forest one. You know, like yeah. he's saying like they're all like derivations of actually quite a small number of types of planet. Yeah. Um, and that's fair enough. The, the designers of No Man's Sky share George Lucas's uh, notion of geography, which is that all planets have the same environment all the way around the planet. Do you know what I mean? Like you can get desert planets or rocky planets or ocean planets. Right, um, right, right, right. With no polar caps or, or, you know, things like that. And again, I think that's, that is excusable because if you don't like the area you're on, get in your spaceship and fly somewhere else. Right. And you'll have a much better time. And there is a balance in, in terms of gameplay. Planets that have really tasty resources on them. Um, can you hear the child being tortured next door, by the way? Listener, if you can hear that, that is, um, that is my next door neighbour. Uh, and it's a quarter of an hour past his bedtime, so I think we'll be okay shortly. Um, but in the meantime... Uh, trust that we're not doing anything unspeakable to, to <laughs> young people in my house. Um, 
there is a, there, there's an offset to gameplay. So if you land on a planet that has really tasty resources, really really valuable stuff, the defense mechanisms on that planet will be crazy harsh to you. They'll be on high alert, the sentinels. Yeah. So yeah, that's the. It's a really weird one, isn't it? And you can see yeah. why Sean Murray has been accused of lying because there's no easy way of talking about the game in like I do, one sentence. I do, I do feel feel. I, I think he could have represented it better, though. Maybe it's because he doesn't have the experience. But I feel, feel like he could have described and represented it better by not making statements. I, I still stand by saying that calling 90% of the game boring is a stupid statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, I, I maintain that the quotation marks around the word boring are key. Yeah, but... Because if, you if you've only ever played Resident Evil... Like, No Man's Sky is not going to make much sense to you. you yeah. I mean? It's going to be like, oh, where, where, where's the path? Mm. What, what do I do? And funnily enough, I used to be like that. I, I used to, like, and a lot of my friends actually kind of feared open world games mm. because of their size and because of the worry of, of how you navigate your way through the main story within that massive arena. But because that main story is not there, it's I mean, not uh, because you're doing your own for thing. For me personally, um, procedural generation has always put up like a, uh, a red flag for me um, because obviously I played games ages ago that were procedurally generated, and obviously the tech wasn't as sophisticated as this, but they always got very boring very quickly. Um, I'm thinking back to uh, the first Dark Cloud. It was on PS2, it was like an RPG, you'd go into uh, procedurally generated dungeons. A lot of people did love that game, but after like the ninth dungeon or whatever, I can't even remember how far I got into it, um, I was just a bit of bit like, yeah, I'm not... That's the question, is it? When things start looking the same, when things start repeating, or even their DNA is like 90% recognisable yeah. and 10% new... Even that is not necessarily enough to keep your attention. And I think that's, yeah, it is a tricky thing. It's a danger. Yeah. Like you say, a red flag. There's enough to do that. I think it's, it's fun enough and different enough. But if it was a single player experience, I, um, I wonder whether it would be better if they crafted like, um, I don't know, 20 very detailed planets for you to go and explore mm. and whether that would be a better game and actually yeah well but make the narrative the way in, in, make the narrative the same that you're exploring the galaxy but you mm. encounter these these 20 very detailed planets um, and, and then then from there like yeah you're right and that, might, that might be a better game it would be a very different game though obviously because all the story stuff that I just mentioned, that stuff that I'm guessing at, it's not, it's not any part of the official blurb of the game. There's nothing Sean Murray said, and it's certainly not something the game itself tells you. Yeah. There are languages. Each of these three alien species has languages that have about you know 500 words each. Okay. And I'm, I'm slowly learning a language so that when you approach an alien, it, it will say in text what the alien's saying. And it'll either be in just garbage, nonsense, garbled alien language, but the words you understand will come through in English. Okay. So the more of their language you understand, the more uh, 
you understand what they're saying to you. Yeah. So, so it's that kind of again. That sounds completely irrelevant to what you were just saying, but to me, it's it's relevant because it's it's uh, that is the story. That is how you play the game. I think the two biggest problems with with well, actually, not not with the game, but with Sean Murray, or, or rather, how what's happened to Sean Murray since yeah. the game was released. Has he got back on Twitter? Yet? I hope he's got. I hope he's got a thick skin. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I want him to make another game. I don't want him to, you know, disappear from the industry. The sad thing is that the people who love the game are being quite quiet about it, mm. whereas people who hate the game are being such monsters. Um, and I think the two main problems in defence of Sean Murray are one that Sony piled the pressure on him years ago to just start talking about the game. The amount of publicity that Sony gave Hello Games yeah. um, meant that Sean Murray has had to talk for the last three years. And if you're still developing a game up until like a few months before release date, it's not fair. It's not fair to be saying what the game is yeah. and being forced to by a big corporation and saying, no, I'm sorry, we've got your 15-minute slot at E3. And it's like, really? But the game's not going to be ready for another two years. Yeah, but we want you to, sh- we want you to show something and talk about what the game is. All right. Because as far as, you know, two years ago, he had some cool graphics and a, and a, and a formula. Um, and some awesome programmers, clearly. But, like, you know, uh, the, the story of the game was secondary to him, I think. Right. And um, I think the other problem is pre-ordering. <laughs> I really do. These, these, these days, everyone is trying to get every gamer to buy every game months ahead of its release. Yeah, yeah. So you end up being disappointed if a particular game has not quite met the standards you were, or the hype that was brought up before it. Yeah. And I have a funny feeling about, think, think about what you, I mean, you're the programmer out of the two of us, so I, I don't necessarily know what I'm about to talk about. I'm, I'm not much of a programmer. <laughs> sure, sure. If, if we had to, if, if someone came in right now and said, right, I need one of you to do some you, you might have an inkling at least of, of what was going on. Um, that's kind of what I remember. But you, you know, you, you understand these things more than I do, certainly. But I get the impression that when you look at No Ran Sky, they have the skeleton of a game that could have a really good story there. And it's only, it's only a couple of mods that would allow you, A, to craft bases. Or craft your own planets, potentially. You go into god mode and start well, building Well, they've said their uh, base crafting is coming. Oh, right. Yeah. They, oh, he okay. noticed a couple of features which I thought were quite interesting, uh, which is crafting base, making bases. And I can't remember the other two, actually. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. It would be very, very easy for them to introduce another level of story. Yeah, well, them. hopefully they're going to keep supporting it, even though like the player count, has, or at least on PC, has dropped... Severely, um, yeah. I mean, apparently the ending is a bit baffling, mm. but then I would expect that because it's closer to. I, I think people wanted Star Wars, but what they got was two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, both are excellent films, you know. One might be more fun than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. No Man's Sky is one of those things you can't. You, I genuinely don't believe one can judge it until you've spent like 
a bit of time playing it? Um, I'm trying to remember a space game that is not out. It's in early access. Um, and it's on a very, very large scale as well. Uh, but I can't remember the name of it. It's not out. Yeah. There's, so there's, not Elite or Eve or... or, or Elite, Elite's already out. Um, but it's, it's likely... They've got like crazy amounts of investment into it. Um, they did a hugely successful Kickstarter. It's definitely not No Man's Sky. It's definitely not No Man's <laughs> Sky. I, I, I'm totally blanking on the name of it. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they it, you know, sometimes when you look back in, in, in at, at kind of turning points or landmark moments in games, I wouldn't be surprised if No Man's Sky is seen as a kind of landmark game, even if it doesn't end up being popular or loved. Um, you know, and, and, when, and sometimes when you go back and see like those first, like Citizen Kane was an amazing film from a filmmaker's point of view because it, it's... It's, it's uh, Star Citizen. Star Citizen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I've not heard of that. You haven't heard of it? No. Okay. Um, so can finish your thought. Mm. I, just, I just said a star citizen because you said citizen. I think in 20 years' time, No Man's Sky will be looked back on and go, oh yeah, that did open a whole floodgate for, for cool stuff happening in, in games. However, the game itself might not be the best of its time. Yeah. But I love it because I don't ask for much. <laughs> What's star citizen? What the say? evolution of No Man's Sky. As far as I understand, it's the evolution of No Man's Sky. They want to build a universe. Um, but at the moment, all it is is space combat. And I think they just released one other aspect of the game. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I don't think you can land on planets yet. Okay. Uh, but that stuff is coming. Um, and it's like on a massive scale. But they have a lot of investment into it as well. Okay. Um, and it looks gorgeous. Uh, obviously, right now it doesn't really run well on computers at all oh, okay. um, because they haven't even thought about starting to optimize it. That's um, the thing about No Man's Sky. All of that stuff is in the background. Mm. All of that. It's five blokes in Birmingham mm. created a seamless engine. Yeah, I mean that, that that's pretty cool, though. But if it's like. If the front-end experience isn't amazing, then sure. it kind of kind of kills some of that. But that's what's so lovely yes. about firmware. We're, we're living in the days we do. Yeah. You know, things can change even as we're playing them. Yeah. Um, talking of that, I want, can we just really briefly talk about something that you mentioned last time we spoke, okay. which was the reason you're not going to play Resident Evil 7 is because it's too scary. Right. Have you seen the new trailer for it? No. It is too scary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like survival horror games and I like scary games. It is too scary. Yeah. It. I mean, it's. it's I've got like goose. I've got chills just thinking about this trailer. I'm going to buy you PSVR. <laughs> I'll buy you PSVR no. if you let me record you playing the game. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Screams and all. I get that. We'll have a little uh, famous scream soundboard. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sample that because there's going to be a lot of it. <laughs> I'm going to scream like a little baby. Um, I can't. I can't 
the first time through a game, because last time I referenced like Dead Space 2, mm. which second time through the game is one of the most fun and not scary experiences you can have. Dead Space 2, all three of the Dead Space games are so much fun on their second playthrough because you get to keep all the weapons yeah. that you gathered up, so you're just blatting things left, right and centre and obviously all the jump scares are less impactful because you know where they're going to be. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil 7 does not operate, as far as I can tell, from jump scares. They've re- they seem really to have reintroduced the nemesis idea. Okay. Except the nemesis in Resident Evil 7 appears to be a fairly normal-looking blonde woman holding a lantern, and she just walks and walks slowly. And wherever you are, when you see her coming, you have to hide. And this is the whole trailer. I think it's called Lantern, the Lantern trailer. Um, it's just the character sees her and runs and hides behind something, and the lantern lady walks past. And then in the end of the trailer, it kind of shows you what happens if you don't run away from it. And... Um, well, it, it only kind of, it, it leaves it to the imagination, which makes it scarier, obviously. But uh, it's so scary, and it all looks like that first trailer. It's all that okay, rotting, dilapidated swamp house. So, will, will you not play it? I've got to. Resident yeah. Evil is entirely the reason I play computer games. It's entirely the reason but I always still play Resident Evil. Well, it's as much if you if you compare Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Six. Resident Evil Seven is is as similar to those two games as they are to each other. Um, <laughs> is Resident Evil Six still Resident Evil? <laughs> I don't know. This is the weird thing. Resident Evil Four is started because the HD the remasters just come out. They're kind of claiming to have invented over the shoulder shooters. And that, that, that simply, I can't quite believe that that's true. Over the shoulder, yeah, over the shoulder, maybe. But certainly over person, the shoulder, certainly over the shoulder survival horror. Okay. But then, but then, that, no, they're claiming to have just done, the, that's, that's Resident Evil 4 that did that. And I don't, I can't. What, a third person? No, that's when. Maybe it means a particular angle on third person, I don't know. It feels like Silent Hill got there before before Resident Evil Four, certainly in terms of even in terms of survival horror. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But Resident Evil Seven being first person, have they tried to claim they're the first first person? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it's. I, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, there's the notion of immersion, an emotional attachment if you're in first person. Right. I think there's less, personally. I think something gets less scary the less you're invested in the character. And you can only invest in the character if you're aware of them being separate to you. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. in The Last of Us, you... that's the third person, isn't it? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Is it? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, right. So that, I think an emotional attachment in that game comes from seeing what's happening to you as okay. opposed to experiencing it through their eyes. I think there's... I don't know. I'm sure, like, someone could write multiple PhDs about the psychology of, of, of kind of computer games and emotional attachment and, and immersion and things like that. Yeah. Alien Isolation was a terrifying game, and that was first person. Oh, I've never played Isolation because it scary. was a scary game. <laughs> and then um, the, the Evil Within, um, 
which is basically a Resident Evil game, <laughs> kind of. Um, an, an appalling story. You can't, if you choose to set a game in the mind of a, a psychopath, that basically gives you free reign just to not have a story. Because, like, any, literally anything can happen. It's like when things are set in dreams, like, there's no logic to it. Uh, you know what? There's a game coming out which, uh, which takes that con- con- concept. And from what I've seen, it, it looks really, really cool. Um, it's, a, it's a woman. The trailer is a woman, and she's having these... It's, it's set in a fantasy world, I think. Um, and she has some psychological issues, and she sees demons, and she hears voices and stuff. But it looks really, really cool. Okay. Uh, oh! Hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something to do with hell? Yeah, Hellbound, Hellblade... It's it's genuinely it's 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 it genuinely is concerned with with mental health issues, isn't it? And it's yeah. like, yeah, I know the one you mean. Oh, because they 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 showed it E three, two thousand fifteen, I think. It's been around for a while. Oh, has it? It hasn't been out, but it's been developed. I mean, yeah, yeah, for a while. Um, it's Hellblade, yes. Hellblade, it's Hellblade. Yeah. Um, yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah, it's by Ninja Theory, who are awesome. So it's going. What be. else have they done? I might be wrong, actually. I've heard that. I've heard the name. Is it? Um... Oh, yeah, I need to check because I might be totally off. <laughs> okay, phones out. Phones out. Time out, listeners. We're just going to check something really quickly. Ninja Theory. I've definitely heard of Ninja Theory. Yeah, I've heard of Ninja Theory. Unless I'm thinking of Ninja Tunes, who were big in the late nineties. Um, Ninja Theory. Hellblade, Heavenly Sword they did. Devil May Cry? Right. Okay, Devil May Cry. That's a fairly good one. Oh, they did that one I kept talking about, Enslaved Odyssey to the West or whatever it was called. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, man. That looked great, that game. Yeah. But was plops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Did you have any other questions about No Man's Sky? Um, No, I think we've kind of gone through all the questions. Yeah. Um, It's that that kind of thing. I didn't ask them. We just naturally (laughs) just... You know, it, went through it in the conversation. It's an all-encompassing game, and and I, I think I think the question for you to ask me now is if I'm going to play it. Ask me. Are you going to play it? <laughs> no, I'm not. Were they to release a couple of bits of DLC that 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 gave the game a little more form? Would you be more interested in playing it? Yeah, yeah. If it had a bit more form. So it is the formlessness that is putting you off it. Yeah, I think I'll get. I think I'll play it for maybe a couple of hours, and I'll I'll get quite bored of it. Yeah, sounds about right. Honest. Yeah, nine um, percent boring. Nine percent boring with inverted commas <laughs> is still boring to me. <laughs> sure, sure. So I get that, and that's why I'm not. I I, I I've come to quite a zen place yeah. about no man's yeah. what, no man's sky. Like sometimes if I really like something and someone else doesn't like it or doesn't like the idea of it I get really defensive yeah. you know, you, you get that everyone does that geek fury right yeah exactly no that man is good for these reasons <laughs> um, uh, now I've said it I'll kinda, I feel like I've let the cat out of the bag let's talk about the DC Extended Universe ah uh, okay go for it <laughs> so I've, I've, listing I've... listing DC's film releases since 1996. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Actually, let's go to 1989. 
listening, from listening to um, As he was saying that, he adjusted his glasses. <laughs> uh, I think you'll find in 1980, 1989, Batman, okay. which was quite a good film. Batman Returns is, I think, a, a jolly good film. It's great. Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, awesome. That was a formative experience for me as a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman Forever, yeah. not a good film. Yeah. Batman and Robin, one of the worst films ever made. Yep. Superman Returns, a massive flop. Mm-hmm. They forgot to make Superman do anything cool. How can you how can you make a Superman film and neglect to put more than one rescue scene in it? That's what he does. Superman returns. So, uh, that dude who played Superman is now in one of the DC shows, isn't he? Yeah, I think it, he's just coming to something. He's got something else as well. He's got a new TV show that's coming out that looks quite good. And it's kind of nice that he gets a second chance at doing stuff, because it right. was such a shame. The simple fact that he looked a bit like Christopher Reeve, and, um, oh, who's the guy that directed? Brian Singer directed Superman Returns. Just because Brian Singer basically fancied him, or fancy Christopher Reeve and wanted that guy to be... Re- I mean, yeah. It was not a good movie. Yeah. Um, uh, looked quite nice, bits of it. Yeah. But he was trying to recapture something that didn't exist. Yeah. Batman Begins is an amazing movie. Yes. Dark Knight is probably still, in spite of how amazing Marvel have been recently, my, my favourite comic book movie. Yeah. Um, then The Dark Knight Rises, which... Whatever. Um, it was <laughs> fine. It was fine. I, I, it was an I, ending to the trilogy. Yeah, it was I, solid. I thought it was alright. It's certainly not a masterpiece. It certainly doesn't compare favourably to Batman Begins or Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, I think even objectively people can kind of go, yeah, that's, that's just true. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's, it's kind of It's kind of two films. Mm. In a way. Um, based on some of... The, the weird thing about Dark Knight Rises for me was that it, it's based on some of my favourite Batman comics. From the late eighties, early nineties, they 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 did this thing called No Man's Land, where Gotham got cut off from the outside world, mm. and so going into Dark Knight Rises, I kind of had, I enjoyed the references to those, that 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 series of comics, but also I was a little underwhelmed by it because it wasn't a, a feature of the film, um, and then Man of Steel, which I liked, but I'm in the minority. Yeah, I I didn't mind Man of Steel. I feel like it got a lot more hate than it needed. Yeah, why was that? I don't know. I don't know why. I think people are inclined to dislike Zack Snyder films because he he's such a he's so heavy-handed. Yeah, he's so heavy-handed. But I mean, uh, the majority of people I heard saying that they hate Man of Steel um, probably didn't they didn't know enough about the film to 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 say oh Zack Snyder like directed this movie, you know. Um, I think, I it's, think a bit, it was it's a bit of a weird thing as well, given that comics are kind of folklore, modern folklore. Like, you don't. When 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 someone, I'm trying to think of like a classic. Okay, yeah, Mel Gibson played Hamlet mm. in in I think it was Zeffirelli's version of the film in the mid '90s, and then uh, Kenneth Branagh did it in 2000, 2000. No one said, ah, oh, well, Kenneth Branagh is not really doing a very good Mel Gibson impression, is he? <laughs> so why, if given that all characters in fiction that have been around a while, and in Superman and Batman's case, 75 years plus, mm. that they can't be reinterpreted and for audiences not to get pissed I off about I, that? I, I don't think it was because it was reinterpreted, though. 
Um, because, I mean, uh, Christopher Reeve's era was such a long time ago, um, and people didn't like Superman Returns anyway. So, like... Right, so what do they want? What did people want out of Man of Steel? I don't know what they wanted. Um, I feel... I can't remember any particular criticisms of it. The, this, there were there there were one that were, there were ones that were so specific. The thing that makes me laugh about some of the geekier uh, criticisms of of the Zack Snyder oeuvre and the DCEU are that they they betray central tenets to the comic books, such as Superman doesn't kill. Hmm. But what we see, and, and therefore they were outraged that Superman kills Zod at the end of Man of Steel. To me. That's the moment that Superman stops killing people. Was how before I saw Batman versus Superman. That's how I interpreted that moment. You've got to have a reason why he doesn't kill people, and if that reason is that he killed someone and it was the worst of ex- experiences that he could have had, mm. the worst experience of his life, that is a legitimately awesome reason, I think, to um, yeah. for a character to to, to decide not to kill people. Likewise, Batman. I was I was quite angry when I saw Batman versus Superman, and Bruce Wayne woke up next to a, a woman whose name he didn't know and drank some wine in the morning. Like the Bruce Wayne I know would never ever do that. However, I went no no. This is the Bruce Wayne of 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 the Joker having killed Robin. Mm-hmm. This is the Bruce Wayne that's that's in his fifties. Yeah. Uh, he's not that young guy. He's not like. Ten years on from that kid in Gotham. Have you been watching Gotham TV show? Uh, no, I'm not up to date on it. I've seen. I finished season one and then I gave up. It's quite melodramatic. Season two's pretty cool. It, it Does it get better? Ups and downs. Uh, it gets more. Okay. Um, I, I like the guy who plays uh, Gordon. I do really like from him. The OC. Yeah, the guy <laughs> from the OC. I like him. Yeah. Um, but I do not like any of the villains. Oh really? Yeah, I really don't like any of the villains. Fish is not in season two, if that helps. She was she was the most kind of melodramatic. Ah, uh, yeah, character. I, mean, I, I, I don't like her character. Mm. And it, well, there was a weird thing in the season one. It was as if they liked him. Well, Penguin is the only character that carries over to season two, and he is great in, in season two. Okay, cool. Um, and they introduce Hugo Strange. They introduce Mister Freeze, and that's that's the moment, particularly with Mister Freeze. There are some characters where as soon as they appear on the screen, you're like, okay, this cannot be a real place anymore. <laughs> because you have a guy that can freeze people with a yeah. freeze ray. Yeah. Um, that's where Christopher Nolan painted the whole DC universe into a corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people seem to forget that there was a fear gas in Batman Begins. Every time they say, oh yeah, but Nolan's Batman's so realistic. They really weren't, but um, and that's, but that's there was fine. a clear distinction, though. I feel okay. okay. I feel well, there was where a... does that distinction lie? You're talking about grittiness or or, 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 or or reality of consequences or something like that. No, um, I think we've had this conversation before. Actually. Oh man, sorry. Uh, rehashing this con- uh, this conversation, uh, we need to rehash material here. Which was boss mode. <laughs> we are nothing if not unimaginative. But I think it's worth rehashing in the light of of a film. Well, the the, the Suicide Squad. Let's yeah. talk about Suicide Squad. We can jump ahead. Because okay. I, I was getting to the whole point of, 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 of them having set up the idea that the DC universe is a grittier, more realistic, in inverted commas, place than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's simply not being true. It just has a darker tone to it. Yeah. And that's fine. 
But tell me about Suicide Squad. So Suicide Squad was confused, I would say. Um, I think they... Uh, you know when you watch a generally bad movie and then there's some flashes of brilliance. Mm. And you're like, oh, that's actually okay. Um, there was none of that. It felt like it was doing too much. Even even really shitty films. Even like even Batman versus Superman had a couple of moments where I was like, "Yeah, that's cool." I had I had one moment. I had in one Suicide Squad, in the whole movie, which was like the most minor moment ever. Um, and if you've seen the movie, it's when Enchantress first reveals herself, and I just like the way they did it. Um, well, I, I not having seen the film, I kind of I don't know. What happens? She starts off as a potholer, no? As a sorry, a potholer, someone who goes into caves, cave cave explorer. You know, mm. heard the word potholer before? No, I've never heard that term <laughs> before. I went potholing when I was uh, eleven in Yorkshire. It basically means going into caves. Have you seen the film The Descent, the horror film? Yeah, they are potholers. Are you getting confused with like X Men? <laughs> oh man! No, I'm sure there's a scene no, where she's like a... Before she becomes Enchantress, she's got a mining hat with a lamp on the front of it. And she's oh, like yes, camera. actually, no, you're, you're in totally the right. Um, because I watched X-Men. This is how memorable this I watched is. X-Men like a week or week ago. Apocalypse? Yeah, Apocalypse. That's supposed to suck as well. How did you Have, you, have you seen it? No, I'm not going to. I love comic books. Particularly, I grew up with DC. This is something I've said loads of times. I, Batman is so close to my heart. I am not going to watch The Suicide Squad. I'm not going to watch X-Men because X-Men came out in 99. I was at the Edinburgh Festival and I went with a bunch of mates and went, yeah, this is cool. This hasn't been done before. It hadn't at the time. X2 came out. That was even better than X-Men. I've got a perfect way to, to summarise X-Men in my experience. Um, I'd rather watch the trailer on, in, in a loop for two hours. Holy smokes. Really? <laughs> then watch the movie again. Sheesh. <laughs> the trailer was amazing. The trailer was so good. Um, Except for the fact that it ended with yet more city destruction, which... Yeah, but you kind of expect that. Come on, it's Apocalypse. You know, that's Apocalypse's mm. thing, you mm. know? Um, destruction and all that. His name is Apocalypse. So I kind of expected that. <laughs> um, but the, the, the movie was just... It was, it was terrible. And it's such a shame because I really liked what they set up in the first one. Um... Which was called X Men. Uh, Days of Future Past. No, that was the second one. Oh, the first one of these new ones. Yes, first class. First class. I really liked what they set up, hmm. but then slowly and slowly, it just seems like more and more that they have less direction to go in. That's a shame. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't really like it. And they like shoehorned a cameo from um, Wolverine in there, despite promising they wouldn't. Yeah. It's just, it's just such a shame. Wolverine's got his last uh, film, hasn't he? Jackman's mm. hanging up the claws. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Wolverine, old man Wolverine that they're going to do. Old man Logan. Old man Logan. Yeah, but uh, does it, so is that ever going to go back to like proper Marvel Studios, the whole X Men thing, or is it just going to stay with? I don't know. I don't think so. Because so. I mean, Spider Man's now. Spider-Man's back with Marvel. It's, it's been loved. And they're even calling it the Homecoming. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. As a kind of reference to the fact that he's at home. It's very arrogant. As if people actually care about the studio. Yeah. That's making a film. 
Um, studios are nothing more at the moment than scapegoats. Studios are the reason that films are bad. Yeah. Whereas studios are never the reason a film is good. <laughs> it's really weird, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, except maybe X Men Apocalypse, I don't know. I think Brian Singer must have had a certain amount of creative control over that film. Mm. And it did not turn out well. I was, just, so, I was really disappointed when what Apocalypse turned out to be. It was another Ultron. I yeah. felt like it was just another Ultron, you know? Well, except Ultron didn't actually kill anyone. So he wasn't yeah. actually a tangible threat. Yeah, yeah. But he may have taken down the internet. Like, he had the potential to, which would make me very angry. Okay. Um, okay, sure. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to... Yeah, I don't know what I'd do at work if I wasn't allowed to look at YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that would be a nightmare. Yeah, um, so, so, let me jump back to Suicide Squad, <laughs> okay. actually. Okay. Um, so I said this... Uh, there's no, you said The last thing you said about it specifically was that there's not one kind of, oh, that's cool moment. Or there's one, oh, that's cool moment when Enchantress revealed Yeah, the rest of it was just slightly, like, weird. And, um, like, they, they looked at Batman vs Superman and heard everyone say um, how, how there's no humour in it. And they tried to pepper that in and it just all felt very forced and mm. like not very funny, to mm. be honest. Um, I felt... I, w- I was really angry that uh, the Joker cared about anything other than Batman. Yeah. Uh, which the is Joker's one of the major plot points. Uh, spoilers, that's one of the major plot points of the movie. Um, is that the Joker's in love? Yes. Yes. Um, and I just... I didn't see it. I, I, I'm, it's always been the other way around like um, the single intrinsic quality of the Joker is at the very least mm. that he's a psychopath yeah and therefore psychopathy being an extreme form of sociopathy means it's very very unlikely that that someone with his level of psychopathy would form any kind of connection to any other human being apart from in a competitive way as in with Batman yeah um, and that whole yin yang thing I mean, this is the other thing about Suicide Squad. I, I'm not particularly interested in seeing what sounds like a horribly abusive relationship put on screen with no redeeming or mitigating factor. Mm. Um, he tortures her. She falls in love with him. That's what I can kind of work out. Yeah, me. yeah, that, that's what happens. That's, I don't think that's okay. I, don't, I mean, like, I don't care about the morality of it. I don't care about role models for children I don't have. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. like, something about that feels antiquated and weird in terms of in terms of like acting I actually think uh, Margot Robbie did a great job to be honest okay. I think she was a really really good Harley Quinn um, Jared Leto was complaining a lot about how his scenes got cut from the movie a lot of his scenes got cut from the movie and I'm glad they did because I probably would have walked out if I had seen more Joker oh shit yes um, I don't know how that's gonna impact the rest of the universe, but I do not look forward to any of those movies. Um, maybe I, I, so. Maybe because Doom, of Joker. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be in the Justice, Justice League, where Doomsday is going to be the big bad, I guess. Um, so I, I don't know. If, I don't know if they're going to do Suicide Squad two. Or can I ask you a question about Suicide Squad? Okay, go for it. What do they do? in the film that is bad I I have a big problem 
with characters saying, oh yeah, we're bad, we're bad guys. We're bad guys, it's what we do, we're bad guys. And they're not actually doing anything bad. They're not representing like... Like, like Margot so, Robbie was tortured by the Joker. Right. Deadshot. Is it Deadshot? Yeah. It, it has a family, a daughter to look after. But, um, he, but he's an assassin. Yeah, okay. Do okay. you see... What, what happened... When, when, do you see him at any point in the film coldly, Assass- coldly assassinate someone and walk away from it and not have a kind of moral quandary about it? Yes, you do. Okay. But it's done in like a very humorous way. Um, in, in like... Because they go through each person and like have, have these flashbacks of, you know, when somebody took them down. I think mm. we all know who that somebody is. Sure. Um, but it, and it's all very humorous. Most of it. Maybe Deadshot's one... Deadshot, when he's actually getting taken down, is a little bit emotional. Um, because he's got the doors. Yeah, but it wasn't enough to enough to make me think, oh, these guys are actually really bad. Uh, That's what I'm talking nothing about. Nothing like that really happens, no. No. I don't think it's enough for a character... In fact, a character... That's a, it's, I think it's a joke in Futurama. Do you ever watch Futurama? Yeah. There's a joke in Futurama where they're watching TV and the guy says... A bender says... You can't just have a character explain what emotion you're fe- they're feeling. That makes me so angry. <laughs> um, you, you can't have characters saying... It's, it's show, don't tell. Good writing is show, don't tell. You show a character doing something rather than them turning to the camera yeah, and basically well, I saying, mean, I mean, bad guys. I mean, is... the, the, to be honest, the worst character that, that does stuff bad was actually the... I, maybe this is what they were trying to achieve. was actually the person, pe- person who gets them all together. Yeah. Right now, again, we're getting into fairly spoilerific territory, yeah. but I'm, I'm talking from the point of view of someone who hasn't seen the film, and I kind of pieced this together that that she gathers the group together, yeah, but she is the reason, like the formation of the group, is the reason that a threat appears. Yes. And also, she gets kidnapped, yes, and their yes. mission is to save her. Yes. So the whole thing is completely circular and insular, and yeah, like if she hadn't had the idea in the first place, then none of the film would have happened. Yeah. That's lazy, lazy writing to me. Like that is, if they did it deliberately and made a feature out of it in the film, like oh, the irony is, if you hadn't done this in the first place, then none of this would have happened. That's quite a cool idea. Do they say anything like that in the film? No. <laughs> oh, man! No, I mean... No, because... I, I, not that I recall. Terrible. Not that I recall. Yeah, I, I mean, the more I hear about this... And, I, I don't and know to about... be honest, I feel like they do more good... I mean, throughout the whole whole movie, you get more of an impression that most of these people are actually misunderstood good people. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> They're bad guys, you know? You're, you're Right. Right, that that's that's I I have a problem with that. If you're going to make a film about bad guys, yeah. Have you seen the Dirty Dozen? Uh, no. That's a film that I believe the Suicide Squad comics owes a lot to. Mm-hmm. It's stop me if you've heard this plot before. Uh, someone in law enforcement in America puts together a group of a dozen criminals mm-hmm. 
to um, and, and offers them pardons and, and basically bribes them into doing a mission for them. Uh, oh no, wait, hang on. That's Suicide Squad, isn't it? Except in the Dirty Dozen, they are actually criminals. They are actually assholes that are constantly trying to screw each other over. Okay. As opposed to what I understand about the Suicide Squad is that as soon as they have a bit of free time, they all go for a drink together and it's all happy families <laughs> and jokes. Yeah. And at one point, Boomerang, when they said, you can go any time from now, and Boomerang goes, yeah, okay, I'm out, and walks away, and then he's in the next scene. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, he comes back. That sucks so hard. I, I, I can't, I can't, every defence in the film sounds so desperate to me and every criticism sounds so valid and so I can't, I, 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 I'm, I'm beyond being able to be neutral about the film now, so I can't see it. <laughs> I'll just be like from minute one, I'll be like, okay, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem. And why is Joker, why does Joker have damaged tattooed on his forehead? I love the backstory of the grip, his what, teeth. What is that? Is that Batman knocked, the, knocked his teeth out? Okay. In taking him to prison. Now, I'm going to say something a little controversial while we're talking about the DC Extended Universe. Right. Have you seen Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Extended Edition? No, I have not. I would say it is a significantly better film Ooh, than the one that was released in the right? it, 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 it truly feels like DC. I've, I've seen one extra scene, which is when. Um, the horn guy is like Lex Luthor sees the horn guy because that wasn't in the movie right I forgot the, the what's the horn guy's name horn guy he, he, he rises out of the oh oh oh, oh with the boxes with the box no hmm? the horn guy rising out of the boxes am I going crazy am I going crazy maybe I'm going crazy one of us definitely definitely is certifiably insane as of now Okay, continue. I'm going to. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look up that scene and see if it. If it I imagined it. Is it is a is, he's, is a bad guy? Not the one he creates, as in not Doomsday. What's the other one? Who's the guy that killed Superman? Um, it's not Apocalypse either. It's um, <laughs> oh, it's a name like that, isn't it? Doomsday yeah. Apocalypse. You're not talking about the Lord of the Rings cave troll. No, spikes. no, I'm not. Okay. Um, you're not talking about the, the, the Flash or the, the, any of the kind of random weak trailers for Justice League. No, I'm going to leave it muted um, so that. Um, okay. So we're seeing some SWAT teams going down into a, into where, um, what is it? The Fortress of Solitude? No, no, no. This is uh, the lab where I think he was created. Uh, the bad guy in Batman vs Superman. Okay. And he's got one of those box. He's got three of those boxes. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Um. That makes a little more sense of the kind of doomsday flash forwards is. Yeah. Um, and that's essentially what all, what the extra half an hour does, is it it um. It makes sense of all the story, all the story bits in Batman vs Superman that didn't make any sense make sense now. Okay. With the extra half an hour, and it's clear that Warner Brothers panicked about releasing a three-hour movie, figured that no one would go and see a three-hour movie, hmm. uh, or I think more likely they figured making the film half an hour shorter 
would pull in more revenue because you can have more screenings in the day, more screenings per day per screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, both of which are terrible, terrible reasons. And, and ironically, I think probably screw them over massively because the extra half an hour does make sense of the storylines. It doesn't change the fact that it's a humorless slog and it doesn't change the, the fact of, of Jesse Eisenberg's performance. Both of which are... Oh, and my own personal deep problem with the film is seeing another Bruce Wayne origin scene. If there's anyone watching Batman vs Superman who didn't know that Batman's parent, Bruce Wayne's parents were killed by a guy in an alleyway. <laughs> and so it's so obvious that the only reason they put that in is to remind the audience that of, of the whole Martha thing. Yeah. And actually, I'm a Martha moment apologist. I, I quite like the Martha moment. I didn't mind it as much as most people did. Right. Because um, it's about his attachment to Earth, not yeah. the simple fact of... And imagine having a fight with someone and the person you're fighting shouts your mum's name. Yeah. Like, that... It would at least give you pause for thought yeah, for a moment. Exactly. exactly. Um, but anyway, um, that's that's again retreading old ground, I think. But uh, I'd say it's worth watching Batman vs Superman Ultimate Edition, and I, I do think had they released that, it would have more like it would have a similar Rotten Tomatoes to Man of Steel, like fifty five rather than the twenty eight. You know what? I hope um, they do a a Lex Luthor. Um, Versus Joker movie, and <laughs> which they both die. <laughs> well, you know, awesome. you know that you know that what's far more likely is that they'll 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 team up at some point. Yeah, and so you'll have Jesse Eisen. You'll have a Lex Luthor who goes around going, <laughs> and a Joker that's got damaged tattooed on his forehead. <laughs> oh. The idea that Joker would get tattoos at all is wholly anti-Joker. Mm. Wholly anti an understanding of Joker. I could bang on about this stuff for yeah. so long. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend Suicide Squad on any level? Like, is there anyone who would enjoy it? Um, people who don't care about much. That's what we said about Batman vs. Superman, though, wasn't it? People said that Batman vs. Superman was a, a comic book film designed for people who hate comic books. And comic book films. Yeah, yeah. But I don't even understand how they would like it. Like, yeah, I mean... Actually, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say the same thing about Batman vs Superman. I um, I think Suicide Squad is... It, I think anyone who really, really likes uh, DC Universe is not going to like it. Jeez. You know, I think, but talking about that, we've, we've, I think we must have broken a record of some sort. That we've had, like, we've been talking about the DC Universe for 20 minutes without comparing it to Marvel. Right, yeah. Yeah. So before we do that, (laughs) do you think there's any hope for DC? No. No, I don't think there is. You're just over it. Well, I mean, obviously, maybe in, like, 100 years, uh, (laughs) when they have to reboot everything again. When they clone. Well, I'm saying 100 years. In 10 years, when they have to reboot everything again, then maybe. (laughs) If they clone Christopher Nolan. But like I, I I don't know like I was saying I don't mind Jeff Johns I've liked very limited work I've seen of his I've really liked which is uh, the Blackest Night stuff yeah yeah so um, I'm hoping he makes some changes mm-hmm. maybe fires Zack Snyder or says hey you directed these TV shows we have 
they're really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take these. Have a, have, have a couple of have a, have the, this have one's the season called, three finale of Gotham. There you go. <laughs> uh, this one's called Arrow, and it's really good. <laughs> yeah, um, none of that's carrying over into the cinematic universe either, is it? Like uh, with no, Marvel, no, no. with Marvel, I'm really hoping to see Jessica Jones. And Luke Cage. I, th- in, I, I think in that War. stuff that stuff is canon, but I don't think they'll be in the movies. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it is part of the canon storyline, but but there, we know that there is going to be crossover between TV show and movies because Agents of Shield is going to feed into Inhumans. Really? Oh, yeah. Insofar as Agents of Shield has been about Inhumans. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, something, okay. something, something to ponder. But you might um, be right. You might be right. Yeah. I don't know. The Russo brothers seem like they're really good at getting a lot of people in. I read an interview with them today where they're talking about, with The Independent, I think it was, where they're talking about um, uh, the secret to Infinity War will be how to give... You only get a portion of each character in these kind of ensemble films. So yeah. how to make that portion as fun as it can possibly be. Yeah. Which sounds like they have the right idea. Yeah. They have the right attitude to making it. Yeah. What do you think about them making Infinity War one movie now? You know about this? No. So the origin originally it was called Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Part One and Avengers Infinity War Part Two. Right. Be released in 2017 to 2018. Yeah. Now the 2017 movie is called Avengers Infinity War, and the 2018 movie is untitled. They've retracted the idea that it's a two-part Infinity War. Uh, I think it will be. Do you think they'll do Infinity War, Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet? Maybe they're just going to do that. I see. Because that's what, you know... The big surprise will be that. It's, it might either be that, or I, I, I can't believe they'll just... They can contain all of it into one film. But, you know, Civil War is amazing. Maybe they can. But, um... Maybe Infinity... Maybe the 2018 film, Avengers 4, let's call it, is, is going to be about the fall... Yeah, it could be Infinity Gauntlet... But it really feels like Infinity War is going to be about Infinity Gauntlet. No, no, but I mean, in, in, in the comic book, it's, it's Infinity War comes first. Right, and, and then, then Thanos gets the gauntlet together. No, that, that's still all in Infinity War. Where is it? So what's Infinity Gauntlet about? Infinity Gauntlet is when Adam Warlock's other half gets the gauntlet. Right, okay. Um... And Thanos comes back to save everyone, I think. Have I got it the wrong way around? I don't Maybe know. I've got it the wrong way around. Yeah, I'm really since, since well. um, what, how do you think that's going to be like osmosed into the MCU? Well, I'm, well, I'm not sure. Because as soon as you said I, that, I'm, that made I'm me fairly think. sure Adam Warlock's not going to be in it at all. Which uh, makes me wonder. You know how Hank Pym invented uh, uh, Ultron in right. the comics? Right. But they gave it to Tony Stark because it made sense in the MCU, not having introduced Hank Pym at that point. So Doctor Strange, yeah, he's going to stand in for Adam Warlock, is what I feel. Um, but it's going to be difficult because he's going to be such a new character at that point. He's going to be in one movie since then, maybe. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be in. It's any coming movie. out this year, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, so we'll see. We'll, we'll certainly see Doctor Strange at least before Infinity War, and it depends if he's going to be in any other films or anything. Um, the thing is, I, I think they'll make some a lot of changes from the the comic book. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, I'm, they will. I'm they so will. looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm even looking forward to um, oh the Netflix series coming out. 
this month? Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Luke Cage, Luke Cage Iron Fist. Iron Fist. I love Kung Fu. I love Kung Fu movies. So I'm very much looking forward to Iron Fist. And I've loved everything they've done on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, everything oh. they've done. So you've been watching a lot of Agent Carter, yeah? Oh, no. Uh... <laughs> um, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm being facetious. I agree. I agree. That whole Dare, Dare, Daredevil and uh, Jessica Jones were both excellent, I think. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. The fighting in Daredevil so good. Yeah, yeah. For a TV show. For someone sure. who, I came from, like, I thought Buffy the Vampire Slayer had good fighting <laughs> when I watched that. Um, but, wow. Yeah, Daredevil. He's, he's got some chops, that guy. Um, yeah. Is it the same actor? When he's wearing the mask, like doing the doing the fighting. Uh, I'm not too sure. Because he's amazing if it I'm is. I'm not too sure. Given that he's English as well, like yeah. doing that accent and fighting, that's surely too much. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent in Doctor Strange? I know we've only seen the trailer. Uh, it right. seems a bit fishy. Um, it's interesting, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think they'll have to do something about that. It's always a bit of a red... Oh, excuse me. It's always a bit of a red flag when... Uh, you have an actor playing a different nationality and they don't get to speak very much in the trailer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Edgar Wright made a, a joke of that in the... Did you ever see Grindhouse? No. There's kind of some fake... It's, it was a double bill and there's some fake trailers between the double bill and Edgar Wright who made up Hot Fires and Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to go back and watch... Uh, uh, his other film Scott Pilgrim versus the World I love that movie I so love that much. movie I love the comics and I love the movie but I've only seen it a couple of times and since I watched it pretty much everyone in it has done amazing things Mary Elizabeth Winstead yeah, yeah. Uh, the woman who won the Oscar for Room was in it I can't remember her name Alison Pill was in it um, even like Michael Sarah and, and, and Kieran Culkin and all that lot like, like and Chris Evans is in it yeah, yeah. Um, do I mean Chris Evans yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Captain yeah, America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. in it. As a playing a total douchebag. Yeah. Brandon Ralph from Superman Returns is in it. Is he? Yeah, he's one of the boyfriends. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's it's a really, really good cast, but like, Oh yeah. Oh, when you're first I watching know. it. <laughs> when you're first watching it you don't really recognise it. Actually I mean yeah, Edgar Wright saw a lot of talent in that cast and, and he was right about And it. Uh, you know what, I don't get why people don't like that movie. Maybe <laughs> I honestly don't understand it. Uh, that movie. Is I so think people good. complained that it was style over substance, but I think it's more that its its style is its substance, and that makes sense from from the point of view of what it is. And if you take it all as a massive metaphor, video games as a metaphor for life, that's it's great. It's great. It works really well. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, why did I mention that? Oh yeah, just because um, Edgar Wright directed this fake trailer in the middle of Grindhouse, the Grindhouse double bill, and he actually made a joke out of the fact that it was an English film. But what used to happen is uh, the American studios used to buy English films and then make silent trailers out of them. So you never, so an American audience watching the trailer wouldn't know that it was an English or European film. Mm. So they'd go and watch it and then be upset that it was, it was English accents or set in England or... Europe or whatever mm. or, or even worse it might be dubbed or have, have subtitles um, I think they're doing that now with all this like English actors are clearly very good yeah they're being used a lot yeah they're pretty um, much taking over like most of the like majority of the things you're, I'm watching nowadays the lead is usually English um, yeah. Christine Bell is Batman uh, 
Henry Cavill as Superman. Yeah. Uh, it was that English guy as Spider-Man for a couple of films. Yeah, um, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Uh, um, but, like, just random things. Like, for example, um, Sons of Anarchy. The guy... Uh, oh, yeah. I was watching that and I learned he was, he was British and I was like... Oh uh, yeah, it's Geordie. He's got a Geordie yeah, accent. Yeah, his accent does. That's why I, it, it clicked in my head because his accent gets shaky right, okay. in some areas. It's not perfect. He's the same um, guy, uh, Charlie Hunnam. He was in yes. Pacific Rim as well, right? Yes, and he's he's going to be in a Guy Ritchie movie about King Arthur. Yes, which I saw the trailer for. Oh, I don't know if, the trailer. Uh, and if 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 there wasn't the Guy Ritchieisms in that's, it, yeah. I might have been interested. Someone told Guy Ritchie that Guy Ritchieisms were a good thing to put in movies. Yeah, they shouldn't have. Just yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, and an- anachronisms do not a good film make. Um, those Sherlock Holmes films being really good cases in point of of of, oh, God, of awful. not working. It not working to kind of go, hey, hey, let's have King Arthur as a kind of street wheeler dealer. Yeah, but that that doesn't mean he should speak like twenty first century. Street wheeler dealers, you know what I mean? Yeah. He still has to talk like King Arthur. Yeah. Speaking of Sherlock, actually, I finally watched Sherlock. The BBC show? Yes. And what do you think? I loved it. It's amazing, no? It's incredible. I can't wait till season four. You've seen all nine episodes, not yeah. including the Christmas one? I haven't seen the Christmas one. The Christmas special is not good, okay. weirdly. It has, A, it's, it's set in, in, in Victorian era. It's set in original Sherlock period, okay. late 19th century. Right. Uh, when Conan Doyle was write, writing the books, and, and as as a fan of, I've read all of the Sherlock, uh, Sherlock Holmes books and, and stories, yeah. um, and I was really excited about finding out that they were going to do like a period version. It's completely separate to the series, yeah. But it climaxes. It, it basically climaxes with a speech about how great women are. Okay. And it was one of the most patronising things I've ever seen in my life. It's literally yeah. like Sherlock walks around going, actually, women are the backbone of, of society. In a lot of ways, they, you know, they cook for us and care for our children. It's like, mm, yeah, I guess you, in the Victorian era, yes, this makes sense. But to have set a modern show in the Victorian era and have that message feels very antiquated. Yeah. Uh, and then I start thinking about the writers. Stephen Moffat well Mark Gatiss who is who is I don't know I I mean like I I actually worked with his boyfriend or husband maybe recently he's a really cool guy and they're really actually I met Mark Gatiss just down the road from me I live very near Twickenham Studios which is where they do a lot of the sound mixing and uh, kind of marketing designs for Sherlock Mm. and so I see him at St Margaret Station every now and again Um, awesome guy but I can't he seems, he, still, he seems a bit too aloof to kind of know relationships enough to write about them. And then Stephen Moffat was the writer of Coupling. Did you watch that? No. It was a sitcom about people being shits to each other in relationships, basically. <laughs> so, like, anyway, that's my little rant about the Sherlock Christmas special. I would not <laughs> recommend it. But I'm glad you've seen the other nine, the nine episodes they've got. Are yeah, this is the season four coming out and... Mm. Um, Apparently, Cumberbatch has signed on for season five. Oh, really? At least, yeah. But it's going to be like four years till they yeah. make it, presumably. Yeah, They're so much. slow with it. Yeah. I understood when 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 uh, when Watson was doing. Um, uh, oh, I keep wanting to call him Tim still from The Office. That was, <laughs> that was like seventeen <laughs> years ago now. Oh man! And he's in. He was in Civil War as well, with quite a good American accent. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's his actual name? 
Martin, Martin Freeman. Freeman. If they could, if they can connect the character that Martin Freeman plays in uh, in Civil War to uh, Doctor Strange, that'd be quite fun to see yes. them, to see them <laughs> yeah, together, actually, both with good. American accents. They must know. I mean, they can't. Um, yeah, it's kind of cute, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking for. I, I can't believe, as a Batman comics fan and someone who does not like Marvel comics generally, in the tone of Marvel comics. I'm looking forward so much to every film the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe is bringing out yeah. and DC can go and <laughs> fuck itself like <laughs> excuse me but like genuinely oi 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 it's not good it's not good stuff um, yeah the last film I saw at the cinema was BFG and okay. the reason I bring that up is simply because as an English person born in the late 70s early 80s um I grew up adoring Spielberg and adoring Roald Dahl. So the idea that those two forces, creative forces, were going to come together in a movie with one of the best living actors, Mark Rylance, um, in the central role, doing a mocap performance, all of this stuff screamed, this should be an amazing film. Or at the very least a film where if I am able to transport myself to, 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 to the mindset of when I was five, I would right. absolutely love it. Uh, it's not a good film. <laughs> um, because, know, let me just say, BFG was my least favourite Roald Dahl okay. book. Yeah, you want to see The Twits or The Witches exactly. or something like yeah. that as, yeah. a, as a Spielberg film. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Um, the BFG was was Roald Dahl's homage to his daughter. That's why the character is called Sophie. Mm. Um, however, the character of Sophie is the problem with the film. The actor who plays Sophie is very good. The problem is that on paper, it's fine to have a precocious, bossy, forthright, orphan girl uh, as your protagonist, because you can imagine you can kind of mitigate the harshness of her voice, or or just pay it off with with not giving her screen time in your head mm. and concentrating on all the other cool things about the story. Um, the film, she's in it. She's the main character. Mm. And so you get a lot of her and she's really annoying. Really, really annoying. Mark Rylance as, as the giant, as the BFG is amazing. Um, all the other characters, the guy out of Flight of the Concords, Jermaine Clement as the bad, the leader of the bad giants. He's amazing. Uh, and suddenly in the last half an hour, the film completely changes tack and introduces three new characters played by amazing uh, actors. Um, uh, whose names I can't remember. Penelope it's Walton. Right. I never remember anyone's name anyway. <laughs> no, it's really bad, isn't it? Penelope <laughs> Walton is the queen. Rebecca Hall is like a PA to the queen. And oh, he was in Shaun of the Dead, but he was fat. And he was also an alien, uh, Prometheus, um, as a geologist who's a geologist stroke by, no, as a biologist who's scared of animals except when he is confronted with a penis with a vagina for a face <laughs> at which point he loves animals um, that guy anyway he's in it um, as kind of the queen's yeah so uh, it's, it's, it's a really weird structure uh, and it does get better as the film goes on but, but for god's sake don't pay 15 quid to sit at the cinema because that's not right I actually forgot I have seen another movie since Suicide Squad and considering I've just remembered it now uh, it's very forgettable to me, but it was Star Trek. Oh no! Uh, the thing is, I'm I'm totally not a Trekkie. I'm I'm like 
I, I don't really necessarily really like the universe or anything about it, to be honest. Um, but I felt like it was really forgettable. Uh, but that's me as an outsider. Maybe Trekkies enjoyed it a lot more than me. Uh, I don't know. But why would they? Why would they? I mean, it has to be uh, a good I, film I, I, on its well, own. Insurrection was a was a, a kind of hardcore Star Trek fan film, and that is terrible. That is a terrible movie. It's well, the closest I, 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 films this, have this, ever come this to was, uh, I felt like the movie was more about the relationships between characters. Um, okay. and, but because I didn't know anything about and, and like some of it was homages to those relationships um, that they've cool. had in the past but you've seen um, you've, you've, you've seen Star Trek and yeah and, I've seen all three of the new right. new movies because that's pretty much the same as me mm-hmm. I'm not I, I like First Contact that was before Star Trek 2009 that was my favourite Star Trek thing Star Trek First Contact and that's because it was closest to a horror sci-fi <laughs> and that's my thing um uh, my wife Emma has been a massive fan of the original series. Like since she, she grew up watching those and, and, and loves. The, she's not. She wasn't born in the fifties or sixties. <laughs> she she watched them on repeat. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, she uh, is a massive fan of the Star Trek films and TV shows and loved the reboot. Loved the reboot. Okay. Uh, in two thousand and nine, Into Darkness. She was like meh because I didn't mind Into Darkness. But when the guy, when again Benedict Cumberbatch, when he goes, I am Khan, why do the Enterprise crew react by going, oh God, it's Khan? Why don't they go, sorry mate, who? Why are you saying it like that? Do we have to say your name like that? Hey Khan, would you like a cup of tea? Um, it's because they've watched the original series. Right, that's, that's the only explanation. That little cameo Spock has where he goes, oh yes, Khan is a very bad guy. Uh, and that's, that, was, that was Leonard Nimoy's final screen appearance um, to explain the link. Uh, anyway. Um, well, let's so, all be glad it wasn't in um, that TV show. Um, oh, Fringe. Yes. I loved the first three series of Fringe, particularly series two and three were excellent. Yeah. Shame what happened to that as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was really looking forward to Star Trek Beyond because it sounded like they were doing what Into Darkness should have been, which is just getting out and exploring some stuff and crazy stuff happening and it being more like an episode of a thing. Funnily enough, we, 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 I think it was like two weeks after it came out, we went, hey, let's go to the cinema tonight and watch it. And it wasn't on anymore. Which means if it had come off like our local Odeon after two weeks, that's really not a good sign. Mm. And I suspect that in trying, well, you can correct me on this. I suspect, though, my theory is that in trying to make it more of a kind of episode franchise-style movie, they made it too much like that and became too forgettable and it became too episodic and nothing. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, it didn't feel like anything major happened in it. There's no like one memorable part of the movie where I was like, Oh, cool. Um, it, it didn't make <laughs> me not, hate... That's not okay. It didn't make me think, um, I will never watch any of these movies again. Sure. Uh, because, like I said, I didn't mind the first two. Sure. Um, I could... I, I think I, I liked the dynamic of Khan being in the, in the second one. Sure. Um, because, you know, it felt like it needed a big bad. And the, bad, the big bad in this was, like... Uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> Suffice it's to say. Idris Elba, like isn't it? Yes. Is he good at least in it? At the actings? Um, I didn't realise it was him until like right at the end. Oh. Well, to be fair, 
they had um, thingy Eric Banner playing the big bad in the first one, two thousand and nine, mm. and he's n- not served well by mm. a bad guy or the makeup. So it feels like the kind of. I didn't. Yeah, I just didn't. I just didn't. I, I don't think I liked the. It, it felt too formulaic, <laughs> which is you know the episode thing, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, formulaic. So, if you haven't seen the TV show, formulaic. As in tropes, work. tropes. Okay. You know, right. um, I, I'm trying not to spoil it because. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, I, I think you should watch it. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not, and something that made me want to leave the cinema or anything like that. It, it kept me going, uh, but I wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't something that stood out to me. You know. Mm. Okay. okay. And also, uh, I remembered another movie I watched. What? <laughs> uh, this, this is not. This, a, this has not been a good summer for films. Uh, Finding Dory. Really. I loved it. Funding Nemo is amazing. I, I really wanted to see it, but but again, I, I blame all my cinema wives on my wife. Um, <laughs> she hasn't seen Finding Nemo, ah. so I kind of wanted to watch that with her before we went to see Finding Dory. Okay, but yeah, I can't wait to see it. Uh, and to be honest, my favourite character, my favourite character from it is actually Idris Elba, who's got a very very small role. All right, um, but it's absolutely hilarious. Okay, I love the entire movie. Awesome. Um, uh, I took my nephew and my niece to watch it, and they both. Thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Um, My nephew is thirteen. My niece is seven. Okay, so quite, quite a little older than 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 maybe where it's aimed. I would imagine the thirteen-year-olds being very cynical about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no, but I think he has lots of fond memories from uh, Finding Nemo, which is why he kind of wanted to watch Finding Dory as well. Yeah, it's a Uh, nice world to spend some time in. Yeah, yeah, and it was really, really good. Uh, Voice acting was incredible. Mm. You know, and the animation was. Was you know? What are your top three films of the year so far? Who? I haven't really thought about it. I think Civil War's in there somewhere. Me too. I think. Um, the reason I brought it up is because I know of another film you've seen recently, and that's Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Which I saw in an empty cinema on the day it was released because I had a feeling that I'd enjoy it. Okay. And I did. It's it's gone straight into my. I think it's my favorite film from this year. Um, it, it, not not. It's a really tricky thing to say that, isn't it? Because a favorite film of a year isn't necessarily one that's best. Yes. Or represents filmmaking most. It's the one that that just struck a chord with you. Yeah. And it really, really struck a chord with me. It's a memorable experience of watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those awesome things where you kind of go, oh, I've got like three hours before my next appointment and I'm in central London. What shall I do? I'll catch this movie because I've, I've, I've seen the trailer for this. It looks amazing. J.J. Abrams is someone who I, I will see anything he puts his name to because most of the time it's, it's pretty good quality stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I loved it. I loved Cloverfield, the first film. Yeah, I really liked Cloverfield too. And I, I really... I, I didn't know what to expect from this movie. Right. Uh, I'd seen probably one trailer, okay. and then heard a bunch of people saying it's it's not Cloverfield. Uh, it's not a sequel. Um, what do you, what do you think? About, I, I know we're kind of putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but what do you think about that comment about it not being a sequel? Um, what do you think is going on there? What in terms of the actual story itself? Yeah, or, 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 or is it the same universe? Is it the same universe? Um, did you ever play uh, SimCity? Yeah. 
I feel like somebody's just using all the natural disaster things with aliens attacking and you know big monster and everything. Right. I feel like that's what's going on. So I do think it's in the same universe. Um, uh, but I, they will I, I can't really make sense. They do, have, they do have the J.J. Abrams universe signifiers, which are Slusho, yeah. the drink. There's a couple of other references that are in both both Cloverfield. But, but, but the, the actual thing that turns me away from that idea is it because that's actually it's actually called 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Um, so... Well, as opposed is, to Cloverfield 2. Well, no, no. The, the, the actual place where it takes place is Cloverfield oh, Lane. Yeah, yeah, that's the house on the, uh, on the ground. What, why was the first one called Cloverfield? Do you remember? That was the name of the street that their offices were on. In, in their, their address J.J. Abrams what is it called Bad Robots address used to be something like 110 Cloverfield Lane okay yeah or Cloverfield Road or Street or just Cloverfield it's a place in LA apparently and they didn't want to give anything of the film away because that's his thing yeah so that I, for, in some weird way that makes me think that it's not um, it's not in the same universe it's just a totally separate movie but in the same vein mm. as Cloverfield is it? Because one is a handheld found footage monster movie, and one is a really nicely composed kind of uh, a chamber piece about three people trapped underground. Yeah, but it's it's. It, I feel it follows the same vein in that there's there's a threat, and you don't really know what it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then towards the end, it's it's kind of revealed. Sure. Um, and it's just people surviving that threat, dealing with that threat. Um, that's why I say it's in the same vein. What's really impressive about Ten Cloverfield Lane is that that I, I found that no matter what you think of that last ten minutes, where the movie changes tone a little bit, um, and again I'm thinking of a couple of friends who aren't necessarily into sci-fi movies. Like that last ten twenty minutes doesn't necessarily affect their enjoyment of the first hour and a half, which is really impressive if you think about it. Like to reveal. Uh, it's quite hard to talk about it without spoiling it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, just say spoilers. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I think, I think, I think we can talk about it. like, like the question, the whole question of the film, though, is: right. is it an alien attack? Is has something awful happened, or is John Goodman a psychopath? And the answer is really cool. Yeah. Um, I think. But it, like, even if you disapprove of the answers that the, quest, that, that, that the movie provides to those questions, it still won't affect your enjoyment of the first three quarters, four fifths of the film, which is amazing. Um, it kind of turns out, spoilers, the answer to both those questions is yes, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and John Goodman is incredible in it. Yeah, yeah. So, so good. And Mary yes. Elizabeth Winston is, is incredible. All yeah. three of them are really, really good. The... I had one problem with the film. This isn't a criticism, it's a problem. During the movie, there is a fourth character who runs up to the door and slams on the door and says, please let me in, please let me in, please let me in. <laughs> yeah. Did you recognise who that was? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. It's the listeners, it is the boss from Silicon Valley, one of our favourite shows. <laughs> and so it was quite hard to take... She was very good in it, in that little cameo, yeah. but it was a little bit hard to take her seriously when yeah. we've seen her be hilarious. Yeah, uh, the only thing I know her from is Silicon Valley, in which she's amazing. So it's quite hard to see her kind of call Mary Elizabeth Winston a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, came up with a theory. Uh, so something has landed on Earth, uh, a big monster, 
and it's you know spreading the virus and blah 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 and then these aliens who have been chasing it down come to earth and they're like all humans have been infected let's just wipe them out let's wipe out the monster okay um, and yeah that's it oh nice so it is a sequel that's yeah. how it worked yeah yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I've, I, um, I reckon he might have opened the door to just like I think in 20 years time there will be a series of Cloverfield films. Yeah, the next one's called uh, Four Leaf Cloverfield. No. <laughs> oh, you got me. You're genuinely, I was like, really? Is that okay? And then, no. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, they, they'll, they'll, they'll surely find it quite tough to keep using that same word. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, I, guess, I guess the third film is the film that's going to reveal the connection between the first two, which is that there might be none. My point was that it might simply be an anthology of kind of cool, similarly themed sci-fi or, or, or just similarly film, themed films that are all made by the same production company. So it's more like yeah. how Tales of the Unexpected was linked or, or, or uh, you know, one of those anthology shows, um, but in film form, which yeah, is that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And if that's true, then I'll certainly be watching every Cloverfield film they make because yeah. they're making really good choices. Dan Trachtenberg who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, he made a short film that I think we referred to before, No Escape, Portal No Escape. Yeah. Did you see that? Um, no, I haven't. It's a great movie. Well, it's like 10, 10 minutes long, but it's, it's a really, really cracking short film. Really nice build-up and then insane action at the end. Um, and then uh, uh, he's directing an episode of the new series of Black Mirror. Do you ever watch any of that? Um, no, that is on my list to watch. I really, really do want to watch that. Though. For someone who I, I think it's essential viewing for for any even slightly cynical geek, because it is about how technology. It's about the relationship. If you had to like, there's only been I think six, seven episodes with the, with the, with the Christmas special. Maybe maybe more. I can't remember. I think there's very few of them anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, they. Uh, uh, the, the, uniting, the unifying theme is um, humans' relationship with technology yeah. and how that's a corrosive relationship. Um, that's, that's brilliant, though. Yeah, you should see it. But yeah, Tracting Bugs doing one of the new episodes of that. Um, Black Mirror has been around in England, well, in Britain, for ages. Yeah. But then they only just sold it to Netflix US. So it's only been like six months that America's been going, oh, this show's amazing. Where's, where, why is it only six episodes of it? Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of Americans are that even with Sherlock, they're like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, <laughs> whereas get, the rest get, of the first season, <laughs> yeah, they get twenty-two, they get twenty-two episodes per season. In this country, we have a thing about like if any sitcom lasts more than twelve episodes, it's not good. Yeah, that's like half, half, a, half a series for them. Um, uh, mind you, I, I don't, I don't think that's true. That thing about two series. It is weird that we have such... I guess it, there's just no money in... Te- anyway, um, there's no money and not enough telly writers and yeah. no, no jokes that are good enough. In going back to your original question of um, my your favorite. three favourite movies of mm. the year, I don't think I have three favourite. Um, I would say Civil War is in there, maybe. Okay. Um, Finding Dory might be in there, actually. Sure. Um, and I did really like Clo- Ten Cloverfield Lane. But there's a bunch that um, I do want to watch and I haven't watched yet. Um, 
One of them I know you like is the nice guys. Yeah. I'm uh, a massive fan of Shane Black. Yeah. So I think we mentioned that on the podcast yeah. before, actually. Yeah. He's I, do, I do want to watch it, definitely. He's making the fourth Predator movie. There's a fourth Predator movie? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's writing and directing it, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, he was in the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As the guy who tells really nasty jokes at the beginning. Um, but yeah, he's writing and directing the new one. Okay, cool. I think so it's I, called Predator. No, no, I can't remember. I, I just love anything Predator, to be honest. Really? Yes. Anything Predator? Anything Predator. Alien AVP Requiem? Yes. Jeez. <laughs> wow. It's like, I, I, I recognise that it's a bad movie, but I just like, see, well, I like anything Alien and Predator. Okay. okay. Um, so you like Prometheus as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, it's a bad movie. Again, it's a bad movie. <laughs> Actually, no, Prometheus not as much. Because I, I like... Uh, I like seeing Alien... I, I like actually just seeing Alien or Predator. You know? Sure, they are amazingly so designed. There's, there's, there's one scene, I think it's the first Alien vs. Predator, which is um, where uh, the alien sneaks up on a Predator and puts its tail through its back and lifts it up to its face. Mm. And I got nerd chills. Yeah, I was like, nice. oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I can watch as much as that. Even if there's like loads of crappy filler in the middle, sure, um, I could watch that all day, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um, but another movie uh, I've heard good things about, which has just come out in cinemas here, is called War Dogs. Right, I've heard. Yeah, it's got a pair of really good actors in it. Yeah, um, and apparently Jenna Hill is playing a really obnoxious piece of crap in it. Yeah, which should be quite fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And Miles Teller, I am. I mean, that poor guy. You know, Miles Teller was in. Uh, Whiplash, which was amazing. Did you see that? Um, I haven't seen the whole movie. It's a really good film about a guy that gets bullied endlessly and comes to respect his bully. So not a great message, but um, amazing. Uh, yeah, and I've seen. To be honest, I've been spoiled to the main scene, like the best scene in the movie. Um, What's the best scene in the movie? Uh, the practice session. Uh, that comes quite early in the movie. Is that quite early? In the yeah. Movie? Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. I don't think that's a spoiler. The, okay. that spoiler would be. Everything that happens to their relationship after that point. But okay. it's, it's, it's great, it's great. Um, and then he was in Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, we can harken back to that whole studio interference thing. Josh yeah. Trank swears blind. Did you, did you actually watch car. Fantastic Four? I've seen the first half an hour of it. Okay. Uh, Josh Trank swears blind, he has a good cut of that movie. And I really think, like, what, what have studios got to lose? By releasing the director's cut of all these films. Yeah. Like, if Josh Trank reckons he's got a good Fantastic Four movie, it can only be better received than... A lot of people would watch it just out of curiosity. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think that's what happened with Ultimate Ultimate Edition BVS. And and, and looking back on that, I can't believe that in a film where a Batman... A year where a Batman film was released, my favourite films are Cloverfield and, and, and Civil War. Like... Let's not go back to that whole business. But yeah. Um, well, there's, there's one more movie coming out this year, which um, which might get in there, is Rogue One. All right. But saying that, I have, seen, I have seen none of the trailers. I've seen a single poster. That's it. Deliberately? Deliberately. Oh, nice one. Well done. That's I don't really think it'll last. Really I don't think it'll last. 
Um, but yeah, I haven't seen anything. I know nothing about the movie. The, the trailer. Well, actually, actually, that's a lie. I do know a little bit about the movie. <laughs> sure. Do you, I mean what, what do you what do you know? Um, that I know the period is set in. Sure. Well, just before episode four. Yes. Yes. Mm. With. Um, is it before episode four? Right. Between three and four. It's at the end of the Clone Wars. Okay. Because it's about the Death Star. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Yeah. Don't. Um, okay. Yeah. Then I know nothing about the movies. Um, uh, I know a lot because I'm addicted to reading my news feed, which in turn is addicted to telling me shit about films I didn't want to know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm looking forward to Rogue One, but I'm kind of glad that they have the out, the excuse of it not being an official episode of Star Wars. Um, and I, I read a review, uh, not a review, an interview with uh, Gareth Edwards, the director of Rogue One today, who was laughing about the fact that him and Ryan Johnson have been chatting. Ryan Johnson is directing episode eight. So the benchmark of, of the middle film in a trilogy that Ryan Johnson has to live up to is Empire Strikes Back. The only precedent for what Gareth Edwards is doing with Rogue One is the Ewoks' Caravan of Courage. Um, so, so he reckons he's, he's, you know, they've got their work cut out for them, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Rogue One will be a better film than Caravan of Courage. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, which is bad. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I like the idea that, again, it's kind of like the Cloverfield anthology idea. A lot of these things will only reveal the, their, their nature once they exist as a group of films. Yeah. Like the Star Wars stories, if we're getting the Boba Fett story and we're getting the Han Solo as a young guy story, all these things will only really make sense in 20 years' time when we can look back on them as an anthology that we can pick and choose from and go, yeah, some bits of that were good. At the moment, Star Wars Rogue One, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, has the weight of the world on its shoulders. It has to be really good. Mm-hmm. Just like we already know that, that Justice League won't be. And that's why it's going to be... You know, you know what I mean? So like... Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because Rogue One looks like a war movie. Mm. The trailer is basically a mix of, in terms of the tone. It looks to me like a cross between some classic Star Wars shots and designs and some, some Saving Private Ryan style gritty on the ground war stuff. Cool. Yeah. I'm, deep, I'm deeply down with that. Especially if it means that, that Star Wars can, can generate like the classic episodes, episode eight, episode nine in three years time, um, but they have these spin-offs that, that concern themselves with their own genre I'd love to see a Star Wars horror movie. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see a Star... I mean, they can even do a Star Wars rom-com if they wanted to, you know what I mean? Um, I, I feel like they'll do... Like, they're just trying to... They're trying to make a MCU for Star Wars. Because, I mean, Disney must have seen how successful the MCU is, is getting. Obviously, Star Wars sells instantly. But they're trying... But they're able to push out so many movies for the MCU that everyone's automatically excited about 
So they're trying to do that with Star Wars as well? I'm not sure they are. I think it's a different thing. I think the, the Marvel Universe already existed in comic form. Yeah. And all the Marvel Universe is doing, cinematic universe is doing, is, is, is what the comics did when, when, when the Avengers comics started. But didn't, this, didn't this, the Star Wars extended universe already exist in book form? Uh, yeah, but I meant I was talking more from the point of view that 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 you won't get you won't get like uh, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of hesitant to say this. I was about to say you won't get Anakin Skywalker in a film with with Ray from Episode Four. Yeah, from the film, I mean, uh, I, seven, it, sorry. It, yeah, I didn't mean that kind of thing. I meant like spread it out. Um, Rinse it for as much money as it can, yes. as you can basically. Yes. That's Disney's way. Yeah. Um, like, for example, like for, uh, they would have like a, a Darth Bane trilogy of movies sure. or something sure. like that. You know, they are um, discounting all the all the books. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but they are. But, but at the same time. But they, I don't see them throwing away the characters though. I, I, I no. would see, maybe they would repurpose some of the characters, mm-hmm. um, and the actual storyline would be slightly different. But I think they would use some of the characters that existed. Oh sure, I think I think they they are. They, they, I mean, there's rumours about the Han Solo movie um, being similar to one of the storylines in, in one of the books that was written about him. Um, I would watch the shit out of the Darth Bane trilogy. Okay. So Disney, <laughs> which they probably are. I would watch the shit out of it. Okay, yeah. that's I'd one do. ticket you sold already, Disney. <laughs> so get I'll on buy it. two tickets. The guy, the guys, uh, the director of the directors of the Han Solo movie are Lord and Miller. Who made the Lego movie and uh, 21 Jump Street. So clearly, it's going to be a comedy, yeah. which is nice, a Star Wars comedy. So we've got a Star Wars War movie coming out this Christmas, Star Wars comedy in, in, in two years' time. Boba Fett, no idea. It'll be like a spy movie, maybe. Or something <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, if the universe is rich enough, fine. And that's the thing. What, what I meant about the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is... is is deep. No, but like I, I would, I would class Ant Man as a comedy. Okay. Um, and then you know, um, Winter Soldier's like a paranoia seventies thriller, and yeah, um, to an extent, it's all it's all couched in the same kind of. You have to have certain action beats. Yeah, and, and yeah, things like that. Yeah, it has it has a formula, but there's variations of that formula which they would spread out different <laughs> movies and different like um, different characters. You know. Yeah. Um, Again, going back to if they made a Darth Bane trilogy, uh, I, I keep saying Darth Bane because it's the only Star Wars books I've, 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 I've read and I friggin' loved it. Who's uh, Darth Bane? Darth Bane was um, the first Sith Lord to enact the rule of two. Oh, right. So okay. one master, one apprentice. Sure. Um, and he was crazy powerful and it's about, you know, it's basically his origin story to his death. Okay. So his when his... Apprentice. Does it mention Darth Plagueis at all? No. Because that's the thing. The, the, the big theory doing the rounds at the moment because of a, 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 I think, a clearly fake script leak for episode eight is that Snoke... Yeah, is Darth Plagueis. Is Plagueis. Yeah, yeah. No, I think this, this is way before all of that. Oh. Um, this is maybe hundreds of years before that. Oh, right. Isn't but yeah, wasn't Darth Bane a, is he in Knights of the Old Republic? There was a there was a Sith Lord in Knights of the Old Republic, wasn't there? I'm just going crazy. Yeah, there was, but I don't think it was Darth Bane. Although 
the guy who wrote um, the Darth Bane trilogy wrote Knights of the Old Republic oh, right. as well. That so, is that is the and Mass Effect. Ah, oh, you can see the links between Old Republic and Mass Effect massively. Yeah. Yeah. That's the game, by the way, that I would most want to remaster. Which is actually why I started reading um, the Darth Bane trilogy because uh, I read the most of the Mass Effect books as well, which were great. Okay. Um, apart from like the last one, who was written by someone else who didn't probably didn't even play the games or know any of the story, why? which was really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he wrote the Darth Bane trilogy and. It, all, all of his books so far that I've read have been really, really good. Okay. And obviously Mass Effect is great. Um, Do you remember his name? Drew Carpishin. Oh, right. Yeah, I've heard his name. Yeah. Of course, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, so, yeah. So, if they, if they... The tone of his movie would be a lot more serious. Um, but actually, it would probably... Yeah, it would be a bit darker than all of the others. I guess okay. I wouldn't say horror no. but it would be dark uh, they're not going to do a Star Wars horror film it's clearly I can't yeah. but they could I mean it does lend itself to comedy clearly and it could be it can go to some dark places my, my question remains and, and Rogue One isn't going to answer it episode 8 might answer it which is whether which is how much they'll respect the law set out by the prequel trilogy. Mm. Um, and funny well, enough, George Lucas is kind of has spoken about midichlorians recently. Have you heard about this? No. He's saying that midichlorians are not people misunderstood him. In Phantom Menace, when Qui Gon says, uh, uh, "Oh, he's got loads of midichlorians, more than Yoda." Um, People assumed that that meant that midichlorians were somehow a physical manifestation of the Force, that the Force lived in the midichlorians. Well, no, the, the, the line he says that it's possible he was conceived by the midichlorians. Right. Which is a stupid line if, if you don't want that. You know, yeah. People think that. But, but Lucas has recently explained that midichlorians are Force-sensitive, microbial things that live in us. So what he was trying to say is it's possible it was an immaculate birth. Yeah. Yeah. But this new theory is that Darth Plagueis birthed Anakin. Mm. Um, I could all be so circular uh, circular and cyclical. I'd rather it wasn't. I'd really rather Rey didn't turn out to be like Luke's granddaughter or the Emperor's granddaughter or anything like that because or Han's Han and Leia's daughter or niece or whatever. All of that stuff is so lazy. If that's but, what but the way they built it up, if if she isn't, it's a bit weird. I feel like the structure of everything is a bit weird. Um, but that's classic JJ. He can't help himself. Mm. As Star Wars was never about having mysteries. It was never about big reveals. I know that sounds crazy in the light of "No, I am your father," mm. um, but. That was not a twist. A, a plot twist is something that the audience, when you watch it a second time, will go, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't see it. Darth Vader being Luke's, Luke's dad was not a plot twist. It was just a, a, a story term, something that happened in the story. Mm. Um, it doesn't change the films leading up to that moment. It doesn't really change them. It changes their relationship after it. Um, but it's not a twist. 
And so it's never been about like big reveals or rug pulls or this person was this person all along. Um, the films have always been about really, here's a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, and they've covered that with Kylo Ren. So Ray doesn't need to be, she doesn't need to be a Skywalker. And if she is, they've seriously written themselves into a corner again. Any answer to the question of Ray's parentage will be disappointing. Unless, unless, and there was that rumour a couple of months ago about Luke having the line, no, you are my father, <laughs> to, to Ray. Did you hear about that? Well, if Anakin Skywalker is an immaculate conception, um, because of the prophecy that every, so, every few generations of, uh, 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 someone will be born that will bring balance to the Force... Um, Ray can be the new, therefore Anakin. Ray is the new anomalous, uh, immaculate birth, immaculate conception that will bring balance to the Force, balance to the galaxy through the Force, or whatever. But that kind of means that she is the reincarnation of Anakin Skywalker, which makes her Luke's dad. <laughs> but but she has to have a mother, still. Yeah, and they pointed quite heavily. I, I think there are massive clues in episode seven about that, about the, the X-Wing fighter flight helmet she's got has galactic signage on the side of it, which spells out a name, which is the same name as, as Lieutenant something. And it's a female character that has been in the book set before episode seven. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and if that's all correct, I mean, that, there might be a different explanation as to, as to why she's got the helmet. She could have been, like, someone could have paid this lieutenant character, I can't remember her name, it's like Carissa or something, to drop her off on Jakku. Um, uh, and just given her a helmet. Mm. <laughs> Rather than it being kind of a precious keepsake from a family member. Um, but I kind of like the idea that she's just some random person that's that's the magic of Star Wars was that a farm boy had access to magic it's 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 the same it's the superhero it's the fantasy it's mm. the superhero fantasy it's the Harry Potter fantasy yeah. you live under the stairs but you find out that you aspire to something great yeah yeah and that's a great and classic story yeah especially for kids movies yeah um, I think it's a bit unfair does set quite a high precedent for, for kids yeah because they go oh cool I'm going to find out any second now that I've got superpowers and then they hit 50 and go well I guess that's not going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my superpowers is accountancy <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had something I found it I used the force um, I, you know what I wouldn't mind if uh, it turns out that Dark Plagueis is Snopes mm. call him Snopes Snopes yeah why Snopes, Snopes? Dog. Snopes. <laughs> um, how tall do you reckon Snopes is? Uh, I think it's just normal height. I really enjoy the idea that he's tiny. <laughs> he's like two feet tall. He's like uh, the Wizard of Oz. Though. He's like yeah, right. He's like Yoda height, but he's he's got like a, an inferiority complex. So and he his projects voice comes himself. Oh my gosh, that'd be so. I think that'd be very. No, they can't do it, obviously, but it'd be a very funny reveal. Where are you? I'm down here. Oh. <laughs> Snopes.com dog. 
Snopes.com dog. Yes, that's his full name. Why? Just. Just is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want him to turn out to be Jar Jar. <laughs> Again, there's plenty of stuff on YouTube about Jar Jar being yeah, a Sith Lord. Yeah. I think that can, can follow through I'm with that. Well educated yeah. in that. Yeah. In that theory. He's always waiting doing the Jedi mind trick on everyone all yeah. the time. He's the And he's Lord. the cause of the Clone Wars. Yeah. Right. So um I can't remember if I spoke to you about this particular anime last time called uh, One Punch Man. I'm a huge fan of One Punch Man, yeah. Yeah? Mm. Uh, have you seen Mob Psycho 100? No. Okay, so it's by the same guy. Okay. And it's the same theme-ish. Okay. Somebody is super overpowered, but really he's just like a, like day-to-day he's a nobody. Written um, by the same guy? One. Is yes. Name one. Yeah. yeah, I think it's written by the same guy. Um, it's it's at least the same studio that made One Punch Man. Um, oh, see, sorry, I've only read the I've only read the the comics. Oh, you've only read the manga. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know how much the manga differs to the TV show. Do you know? No, I've no idea. Okay. I mean, I, what's been amazing about following the, the the books is that that the the quality has got better and better as they've been given more budget. Because it started out as something that one drew himself, yeah, as an internet thing, mm. and then he got that other guy, Katsuma, is that or something, to to start drawing it, and they had no money, and basically printing it themselves, and then they got on with Shonen Jump and and started getting loads of cash to draw it, and now they've just released volume seven, volume eight is coming out, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. Um, it's beautiful. Particularly the action scenes are so well drawn. The last thing to happen in the books is an enormous kind of city-sized spaceship has turned up and decimated City A. Um, I think that's where the anime is at. Okay. Um, it was only like 10 episodes. Okay. Um, but yeah, okay, yeah, I think it's in the same place. I didn't know, I thought it was a bit further ahead. But with manga, bear in mind like a single action scene can take up 40 pages. That's a good point, yeah. That's a good point. Um, but anyway, Mob Psycho 100 is about this schoolboy who, um, who's a psychic. And he's a ridiculously powerful psychic. Okay. But he still feels really, really inferior to everyone else. Of course. Because right. he's, he's not muscly and he can't get girls. Okay. Um, and he has a sensei who has no psychic powers at all, but uses him um, without him kind of clocking on. Okay. Um, and he thinks the sensei I don't know it's not very clear but I think he thinks the sensei is very powerful but the sensei has never used psychic powers Mm -hmm. and it's they make it clear that he's a fraud basically Um, and he's just using Mob who is the main character right Um, and the main thing is when Mob gets there's there's a counter on every episode so when something major happens the counter goes up and it's counting up towards 100 Right. When he gets to a hundred, he you know oh, that's... he um, he goes super saiyan mode basically. This guy is having so much fun with the form. Yeah, I love this. They're so funny and so such such great satires of, yeah. of manga. Yeah. And uh, so, is, do you know if that's is Mob Psycho one hundred only a TV show or is it a, a commentary? Was it sure. based on a manga? I'm not entirely sure because I'm definitely going to look that up. I I, I I I sometimes find it quite difficult to watch anime. Okay. Uh, Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop is amazing. Um, 
because it's so messed up. It's just so weird. Yeah. Um, I can't really think. Like, I tried to watch. I'm a massive fan of the Death Note mangas. Mm-hmm. And the films, funnily enough, the three films they made out of Death Note. I tried to watch the films, but. Do you like them? No, I couldn't get into them. Oh, I'm a big fan of the guy that plays the kind of main main character. Um, he was the main guy in Battle Royale. Did you see that? He's very good. He's very good at looking anguished. Mm. He can scream on screen quite nicely, <laughs> um, which is handy. But then Death Note three, he wasn't even in it. It wasn't even about Death Note. Well, well, the thing, the thing, uh, thing for me about manga, I, I would ideally do both because yeah. um, I like it, with manga. It's it's um, because it takes so long to do stuff. They generally only put the main story elements in there. So if you want the juice of the story, mm. then you would read the manga. But I love watching well animated fight scenes. Okay, yeah. Um, so if there's a lot of action in in, in a particular um, manga, then I do want to see it in anime form. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. There's so many classic like, like Samurai Champloo. I think I would only enjoy as a um, anime. Right, I couldn't imagine reading that as a manga because the music, the animation, the action sequences is just so incredible. You're right, you know? and there's not a huge amount of, to be gained by using your imagination in action scenes in in the man in yeah, yeah. In the mangas. Particularly again, One Punch Man, there are incredibly complex action scenes going on, mm. and they're not necessarily that well served. Where in where where the kind of Western style of comic drawing, you do get some you you get. I feel that like you get more movement in the page somehow, even though manga is all about drawing that movement in. But one one time, panel it's, in it's, a Western comic book can cover quite a lot of action, whereas in anime, sorry, in manga, one panel tends to capture like a tiny, brief moment of action. Yeah, if you see what I mean. So yeah, but at the same time, there's some anime which, obviously, the longer anime, um, which I'd rather read as manga, like for example, One Piece. I'd okay. rather read the manga than watch sure. the anime and that because it's just because it needs to run um, every week mm. for the next five hundred years. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of one. They tried to stretch it out as much as possible. Oh, um, there's a lot of scenes. There's a lot of flashbacks and filler episodes and right. all this and that. And I just uh, and then the manga is just you know the core story, which oh, is really, what okay, I really want. Mm. You know, mm. yeah. There's so much of it. There's so much of all of it that it's quite crazy. Mm. Um, are you reading any other comics at the moment? Any comics at the moment? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, comics-wise, no, no, I'm not reading anything. I, but I'm planning to grab a few when um, I'm I'm on the plane. I'm going oh, nice. on holiday next week. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Like a twelve-hour flight. It's like so. 13, 13 and a half wow. hours. Okay, it's a direct flight. So, uh, but that's that's the kind of time I I catch up on a lot of movies when I've got a flight like that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, f- long flights are the only reason I've seen films like Two Guns. You know, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but um, I can really recommend Injection, uh, which is Warren Ellis who wrote Iron Man: Extremis and Transmetropolitan and. Uh, some other stuff, some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Geordie Belair is the uh, one of the artists on it, and and yeah, it's just amazing. So so basically, it's about it's it's, it's set in, in in Britain, which is always a bit fun. 
um, to kind of see places where that we live near referenced in a comic. Yeah. Um, but that's it. It's a global. It's a global comic. But it's about five geniuses who are gathered together by the government to predict the future. Okay. And they sit in a room together and predict basically that the future is really boring. Like all algorithms, all projections point to the idea that technology will actually, rather than continuing to rise exponentially or evolve, will plateau and will come to like a few hundred years of literally nothing happening on, on the planet. And so what they do to accelerate that is to manifest a strong AI on the internet. And what the AI starts to do, it, it evolves, basically, and starts to manifest itself as... Skynet. No, <laughs> like, it's, it, it makes crazy, crazy things happen, basically. Things that we would normally have recognised. It's about these five guys going around the world trying to, trying to stop trying to solve their own problems, the problems that they caused. So, for example, they find uh, this case of people um, being taken away by pixies. And it's all a massive joke. Like, pixies, seriously, they, they don't exist. And, and, and they reveal that the injection, this, this AI, it has, has worked out how to manifest, like, has been reading a lot of, like, folklore and, and, and fairy tales and stuff like that and just decided just to spice things up for humanity to start physically manifesting folkloric monsters and things like that it's it's all it's that kind of stuff and there's mysteries and like one of the geniuses is a kind of Sherlock Holmes style character mm-hmm. um, one of them is like a, a, a crazy you know a computer wizard um, it's really good beautifully drawn really funny and really dark and grown up as well okay. it's a properly grown up comic um, not like swearing and violence just into thematically yeah. In terms of storytelling, it doesn't. It took me reading quite a few issues. Took me like it's, it's two volumes of the trade paperback in so far, and it's taken me that much to work out what I just told you. Okay, um, sounds really interesting. It's great. It's great. It's great. And and space bound. You like space stuff. I know yeah. that Descender. Have you heard of Descender? Uh, I think you've mentioned Descender. Yeah, oh yeah, I might have actually. Yeah, it's fun. It's nice. That and the continuation of that is still. It's still going really, really nicely. Nothing beats Saga at the moment. Saga uh, remains... Yeah, I'm, I think I'm a few volumes behind. I'm going to catch up on that. Uh, it's kind of like saying Star love... Wars is the best film. It's like, obviously. But if you're going to put together the like, list of top ten best films, you couldn't have Star Wars in it because it's so obvious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The saga's like at that level already. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. I'm going to catch up on that, definitely. That's <laughs> yeah, great. I, I, I did start Black Science... Uh, but I didn't get very far into it. Oh, really? You so, were raving about it last time. Uh, yeah, I'm still at the same spot. It okay. was good. It started off really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've partly forgotten it, and I'm, I'm probably going to start again. Uh, it's tricky. It Once these things have like three or four books, you've got to be going back to read, like, and they only come out every six months or so. Yeah. Depends if you're reading, even like if you're reading monthly issues. I, I read a thing called Morning Glories, which I think just released, is about to release its 10th volume. And so every time they release a new volume, I have to go back to volume one and read the whole, <laughs> like, eight books to understand book nine, and then all the first nine books to understand book ten. Um, it's like Game of Thrones, yeah. you know, in terms of how much it expects you to remember. Yeah. I don't think we ever talked about Game of Thrones, by the way. Did you like that last series? Yes. Uh, not as much as the others. 
Um, okay. I felt it started off very, very slow, and a lot of the stuff that happened was just like slow. Uh, I don't know what other word to use, uh, but then the end, it ended well. The last two episodes were amongst yeah. the two best episodes. I mean, ever. the uh, the ninth episode, that action sequence, that battle sequence, is one of the best things I've seen on TV. Hands yeah. down, it was yeah, absolutely too. incredible. Yeah. They did such a good job. Um, I felt from like from the start to the finish, that was an incredible episode. Yes, uh, that the whole the the strategy, the evil of the strategy, the amount of, the amount of the characters played into what was happening in terms of the chess pieces moving around the board yeah. just amazing yeah um, I didn't I wasn't a big fan of what was going on in in like uh, Marine that kind of area I was just like I'm was, very glad that that is finished now because that has been repetitive yeah I'm, I'm, yeah I'm just like get on with it how many more shots do we need of Daenerys being picked up and worshipped yeah I know like that, enough already we get it and, and I wouldn't have minded not seeing her for a couple of series. Yeah. How cool would it have been to see her liberate the, the Bay of Sla- Slaver's Bay, not do anything for two years, and then she, suddenly she turns up with dragons? That would have been yeah. so cool. Instead, we had to watch even larger, the same thing over you know? and over and yeah, over that again. Although, that said, Tyrion and um, the eunuch are with her now, and that was worth investing that time in, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and... And she's left that lover guy behind is also a good thing. I think I won't miss. I think him. I think that's going to play into it somehow. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, even though he's not like You're a massive like character. Star away or something. Yeah, and even though he's not like a massive character, he's go- he's going to do something. That I don't think they just wrote him out and just just going to leave him out. Um, I'm going to say something controversial, which is that that last series of Game of Thrones is my favourite. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the kind of political machinations and, and intellectual stuff that, that that governed the first five series were not interesting enough to me because of how angry the death the death toll made me. Okay. So like when the wed- when the red wedding happened, I was like, I'm not, I can't carry on watching the show. Mm. What's the point? I've just invested. I really like that character, Rob Stark, and it happened with Ned. Obviously, at the end of series one, I was like, I invested. Hours in that character. I love him. And you killed him. So what was the point in watching that happen? And then the Red Wedding. What's the point of watching Rob Stark and Caitlin monkey about for almost three years? No, it just ends. It just ends. Mm. And, 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 And although I get that the wider political world means that the people who killed the Starks at the Red Wedding did so as a promise to the Lannisters... Yeah. Isn't it? The last words Caitlin hears or Rob hears is the Lannisters say hello or something. Send their regards. Send their regards. Yeah. Say hello. They send their love. <laughs> um, see you at Christmas. Uh, no, it was um, not interesting to me. And also the, 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 the structure of particularly series three, four, and I think five to an extent, was that each episode had one scene with this storyline, one scene with this storyline, one scene with this storyline. This, this, this last season uh, was the first time you actually saw sequential things happening in the whole programme. And what I mean by that is, for example, there's a scene, the, the real turning point for me was, I think, in episode two of the last series, where Sansa says, I'm going to go and talk to Littlefinger. Apparently he's in a town nearby. And in my head I went, okay, 
So next episode, we'll see Sansa and Littlefinger, or maybe in two or three episodes' time, we'll see Sansa go to Littlefinger. And it was literally the next scene. Yeah. Like, the next thing we saw happening was Sansa walking into a building, and I was like, oh, I wonder where she is. Oh, there's Littlefinger. Wait, hang on. <laughs> they just said they'd do something, and now we're seeing it happen straight away. That doesn't happen in Game of Thrones. And yeah. so that whole, the, the notion of them dumbing it down really suits me quite nicely. I quite like the level of dumb <laughs> they've got. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. Well, okay, I agree. I agree in that respect, but um, I just feel like a lot of it was 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 dragged out. Like even though they they cut the travel times down for most things, um, like for example, um, Arya getting back in the same season. I thought it would be like another yeah, season yeah, until sure. she comes back. For sure. But or Varys. There's a theory that Varys is a merman. Is yeah, that, that's so dumb. <laughs> He's just. It's obviously time has passed. It's, obviously, it's television. It's storytelling. It's fine. Yeah, they've been doing it all season, like time skipping. Mm. Uh, people just. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe that that one makes in particular makes me angry because it's so stupid. Um, it's fine. He's got his. He's he's got ways and means. He can get on the fastest. Well, ship. he is very streamlined. So you know, <laughs> he, he can get. The, he, he knows the guy that's going to get him on the fastest vessel between the two continents, and it's not that far. Yeah, if you look at the maps, I love maps. I love fake maps. The Westeros map, pretty cool. But the, but like even Arya's storyline in this, I, I, I usually love Arya's storyline, but I was getting bored of it this season because well, it, it just felt like more of the same. But it's moved on now. It so has finally moved on, mm. which is great. Which is, but that's why I'm saying. I but you feel like they didn't, they didn't need that final repetition of all the storylines before they moved them on. They should have just moved them on at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I, and yeah, definitely. Um, and this this season overall was shorter in terms of runtime um, than the others. Really? Yes. Um, each some of the episodes were really short com- comparatively. Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't notice that. Um, but maybe they're scared of just overloading the audience with too much stuff happening. And that is a danger. Like the last three episodes, I assume, of the whole thing are going to be so event-packed. Well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. Maybe well, there's the only going to be three like protagonists. By seven the end episodes? Is yeah. it seven? I think they've only got... I think it's seven, another 14 episodes. Is it another 14? Right. I think, maybe. But so we've got to wait a year and a half for the next series. Yes. That sucks. And does that mean they're releasing it at the same time as Walking Dead? Series 8? I don't know. You know what? I still haven't seen the last episode of the last season. Of Walking Dead? Yeah. Oh. I still haven't seen it. Oh. It's... Uh, maybe, I'll just, maybe I'll just wait until the start of um, the next season. You to watch the, the series ended famously, Walking Dead. The last season of Walking Dead ended with a very famous... Yeah, I don't know who that is. Right, right. right. No, no one does still. But oh, okay. What's inter- I mean, I do because I read the comics ten years ago. But um... oh, I, I know who it is in the comics. Isn't yeah. It? So it's the same person. Damn. Well, no, 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 not, okay. not necessarily. We we still don't know. Okay. I, I reckon it will be. Okay. But they really messed up, and Scott Gimple, the the showrunner for Walking Dead, has apologised for ending the season like that. He's actually said, yeah, we thought it was a good idea, but it's, it's a really bad idea. And they've only realised how bad an idea it is since the season finished. And everyone went, oh, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this person, it could be this person. Well, it's got to be Glenn because that's who dies in the comic. Well, no, because it would make more sense dramatically for it to be um, uh, uh, Michonne, you know. Um, and I think what the show creators realised was, it's like the question of Ray's parentage. No one's so going to be good enough now. 
because everyone's thought about it so much because they created a mystery that's, 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 this, this is the problem with Ray and why JJ has fucked it up for, for future Star Wars makers is that if you, if you set a mystery no answer is going to be good enough no reveal no, rev, no, no, no revelation of, of, of the answer to a mystery is going to satisfy it's never going to compare the moment of going alright oh, it was Glenn or alright oh, it was Michonne well, oh right, it was any one of them. Oh right, it was Maggie. Um, uh, that that moment of, of finding that out is never going to compare to. Oh, I wonder who it is. Yeah, you know, I wonder who Ray's parents are. Yeah. Oh, it's Luke Skywalker. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they they. I don't think it will be either because of the fact that they toyed with his death earlier in the season. Um, where was it earlier in this? He's, he's died like four times in the show so far like, but they did a proper one they did a proper one where he went missing for like three episodes exactly. the last time we saw him was being torn apart as far as we can see yeah, yeah exactly and actually I loved the way he survived I loved how they told yeah. that story of his survival yeah, me it was too. really convincing like yeah I mean every second of it was utterly horrifying and terrifying but um, went really well mm. and that guy was such a dick yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but I like the guy playing. Um, uh, I know you haven't seen that episode, so you don't know the the what's his name. I, I know who it is. The big bad. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? D, uh, the actor. Yeah, D. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. D, yeah. From well, he was the comedian, wasn't he, in uh, Watchmen? Yeah. And he's also the dad in Supernatural. Ever see any of that? No, I never watched Supernatural. It's one of those things where I think it's just gone on too long for people to jump on yeah, board. Yeah, it's like nine seasons? Mm. Nine Coming to an end soon, apparently. Oh, okay. I think we've been saying that for a few years, but um, <laughs> it's good. It's classic. It's good. Like, uh, did, did you finish Preacher? Or is it finished? I don't know. No. no. I watched that first episode and enjoyed it, but have not gone back to it. Okay. Whereas, whereas Outcast is amazing. Okay. Do you know what Outcast is? I don't. It's Robert Kirkman, the guy who invented The Walking Dead. Well, he's, it, his, his new comic, his most recent comic, is, is called Outcast, and it's been going for about a year and a half. So it's only got kind of three trade paperbacks so far. But they've already turned it into a TV show, mm-hmm. and it's excellent. Okay. Truly excellent. Synopsis? Um, Quick synopsis? There's a preacher man, played by Philip Glenister from... Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes. He's an American, he's an alcoholic preacher who's lost his faith. A lot like preacher. Um, <laughs> I thought, uh, for a second I thought you were going to miss it. was, it was, it was confusing the two shows. <laughs> Wait, a British guy playing an American preacher who's lost his faith and is an alcoholic. Yeah, that happens to be the premise of two separate shows. But Outcast is about him teaming up with this guy that does exorcisms. And they go around their small town and the more they exercise demons the more they realise two things are going on. One, that someone is orchestrating these possessions. And two, it's kind of the whole Batman and and Rogue's Gallery relationship where it's actually the exorcist who is a demon magnet. So as much as he's exorcising demons from people, it's his fault they're there in the first place because of Something we might be finding out at some point. Okay. Um, it's genuinely scary. It's incredibly well acted. It moves at a surprisingly good pace. 
unlike Breacher. Um, and if you want to watch a grown man punch a uh, five-year-old boy in the face many, many times, then you can't go wrong with the pilot. And I think we've all wanted that. <laughs> no, I, I only mention that because it is a a genuinely shocking moment. You don't see kids getting hit, frankly, but there's a there's a sustained sequence where the guy is trying to exercise a demon from a five year old kid or an eight year old kid, and does so by really kind of slapping him around. <laughs> um, but it's it's a show that takes itself seriously. It's it's as serious as The Walking Dead. Okay. In fact, the the easiest thing to say about it is also kind of the truest thing because it's Kirkman um, what The Walking Dead does for zombies Outcast does for uh, that, that genre of horror movie that, that kind of exorcism thing Okay, it humanises it it makes it appealing to people who don't give a shit about it. horror movies or exorcist stuff I don't I'm not a fan of The Exorcist it's a I, it's a well made film but it's not scary or exciting or even enjoyable to me now yeah um, <clears throat> Outcast yeah I recommend Outcast all the way. Okay, cool. Good. You watch the first list. It's the even the first. The, to be honest, the pilot works really nicely as a standalone movie because it has its own twist. It has its own structure. Amazing twist ending. I think. I think we're coming to the end of the podcast. Now, Me too. We've kind of exhausted a lot of culture. We've we've done it all. But there's one last thing uh, I want to talk about. Is did you see out of Comic Con uh, the so the creators of Rick and Morty um, animated and voiced this. Um, uh, it, it was a court case. Yeah, in, I did see in, that. Where, where was it? It was in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and they voiced it and like crudely animated it, mm. and it was the best thing out of Comic Con. It's been color corrected now as well. Like there is a full color proper animation version. Oh really? I saw the black and white line drawing version. Of yeah, it. that's the version. But there I is saw. a there is a kind of remaster of it. Like oh, that looks wow. like Rick and Morty fully. Yeah, that was amazing. That was absolutely incredible. They're doing really good stuff. Rick and Morty is so good. There's not enough of it. Yeah, make it more quickly. They they've opened a like a VR studio as well, a game studio. Really? Yeah. Um, awesome. So so yeah, hopefully Rick and Morty is going to be. We're going to see more of that. Yeah. I can't get enough of that. They did. A, they did. A, they also did a little improvised episode. Yeah. So that. that's fun. Yeah. Um, and that was amazing, just to actually see Justin Roiland skip between the two voices. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive. He does impressive. It incredi- incredibly well. They He's are the- different voices, especially that the, the Morty's voice. When I first watched it, I assumed it was Dan Harmon doing Morty's voice, because their voices are... Mm-hmm. Dan Harmon's voice and Morty's voice, you could kind of see how they could be the same, almost. But no, Roiland's uh, amazing. Um, yeah, but no, I've been probably geeking out on all Rick and Morty stuff. There's a lot of... <clears throat> Um, stuff on YouTube like the philosophy behind yeah. Rick and yeah. Morty all that kind of stuff fascinating yeah. and and this is why it's exciting to be a geek at the moment is because the stuff we like is so easy to be dismissed by people who don't get it yeah do you know what I mean and I I, I used to find that a bit frustrating like if I'd watch The Walking Dead with my mum say yeah. she'd be like okay this is for not me. Yeah. And that, I, I, I've become so fine with it. That's actually become a kind of a positive about the kind of culture I'm into. Yeah. It's because it is us. It's for us. And then you hear things like J.J. Abrams' commentary to the 2009 Star Trek, talking about Simon Pegg, 
and they're just talking about Simon Pegg and how much they, they, they cast him because of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Uh, but then JJ, just under his breath, kind of goes, and also, you know, he's one of us. He's one of us. He likes, he likes our stuff. And you know that's a reference to the fact that, yeah, there's a group of people who are making stuff to please a specific group of people yeah. that I feel we belong to. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's never happened. And, and I, actually, this has only just occurred to me, as a kind of overriding philosophy to cap the whole episode, <laughs> is, is that's the problem with DC. Is that DC aren't making films for us. They're making films to make as much money as possible from everyone. Yeah. And that's not what Marvel did. That's not what good culture does. Good culture gets a couple of people on board. Then those people say, hey, this is really good. You should check this out. Yeah. And it grows and grows and grows to the point where Marvel are making billion dollar movies. Yeah. Or earning billions of dollars from their movies. Um, DC don't get that. Warner Brothers don't get that. They go, hey, Batman and Superman in the same film. Cool. That's enough. That's enough. Doesn't matter who writes it or directs it or acts in it. Makes it shit, <laughs> um, and, and to, to bring it completely full circle, nice. um, I want to see their first game be No Man's Sky, but with you're with the portal gun from Rick and Morty, and you shoot portals and you go into the different uh, planets and uni- dimensions and stuff. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they could. Again, that's a mod. They can do that. I like it. I like it. Rick and Morty meets No Man's Sky. Yeah. We've done it. We've done it. See you next time. See ya.